Hello there, Dave here. This episode of Tales from the Backlog is brought to you by the patrons over at patreon.com slash Jackson. Cool people like Chris Nelson, the top three podcast crew, Zolgeek, Colby Moyer, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Jill, Kieran, ZNA, Gilmer, Mikey Tabletop, and new patrons Jeff on the Brain and Cupcakes have all gone to patreon.com slash Jackson, kicked me a few bucks to support the shows that we're doing here. I appreciate you all very much. Listeners, you can be just like them. If you go to patreon.com slash Jackson, you will have my undying love and support as well as some podcast treats. Okay, on to the show. Everybody, my name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to talk about a game we played. My guest today is a friend of the show, voice actor, Twitch streamer, and tactical espionage enthusiast, Mick Davis, or as you may know him, Mick Arcade. Welcome to the show. Hello, it is fantastic to be here. Uh, I am all of those things, in particular, a tactical espionage enthusiast. Absolutely. That 100% describes who I am (laughs) to my core. Yes. And we'll get into the espionage here in a bit. But um, Nick, why don't you uh, just tell people where they may know you because you're doing a lot of stuff around the internet. Yes. Uh, Well, I am a voice actor, uh, a professional voice actor, uh, first and foremost. You've probably heard me do uh, work for Rhonda Parker. I've done uh, several things for her. You may have heard me on Doorway to Nightmare. You may have heard me as the announcer for the uh, quiz battle combat show. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff. I'm always looking to do more stuff. I'm on Twitch. I am also a part of the 30 Day Trial podcast, which airs live on YouTube every Wednesday on the Playotic Games channel. On every Thursday, I play Dungeons and Dragons on Playotic Games Twitch channel. Uh, and somewhere in between all that, I sleep. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure where, but yeah. So do a lot of stuff. You know, I stream t- on my own Twitch channel working on YouTube content, TikTok content. I'm, I'm doing, I'm going, we're doing it. It's, Always. It's, it's the full content creation experience. Yeah. It is. It's one of those things, a buddy of mine hates the term content creator because he's like, <laughs> it's so vague. Like, it's just such a vague thing. But I feel like for a lot of people, like that is a very apt way to describe yourself, particularly if you do like four things, because that sounds way better than when I say like, well, I do this and this and this and you know, uh-huh. so, yeah, <laughs> I make gaming content wherever you find gaming content. I'm there. Yeah. Do you like gaming content? Well, I'm there. Yeah, Do you like exactly. voice acting? I'm there. <laughs> I am everywhere. Uh, man. Um, well, it's great to have you on the show. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Metal Gear Solid, uh, which is a game that I think uh, we quickly arrived at would be the perfect game to get you on the show to talk about. Uh, yes. Metal Gear Solid is a stealth game developed and published by Konami for the PlayStation in 1998. And there was a remake called Twin Snakes, which was released for the GameCube. But 
we are going to be talking about the original version today. Um, I I think I DM'd you, Mick, and I asked you, which version <laughs> should I play? And you said Twin Snakes, and yes. I played the original. So we're talking about the original. We may um, have a little chat about how Twin Snakes differs from the original, but I decided I, I did want to just go back to that PlayStation version. I, I think you made the right choice in that okay. regard. Like experiencing the original means you get to experience all the frustrations with the original, particularly in the year, <laughs> you know, 2022, yeah. you know, like because in 1998, a lot of these things were super innovative and great. Uh, and today, not so much, but Twin Snakes makes it a little better because it incorporates some better gameplay mechanics. So. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of those uh, frustrations, things that would have been cool in 1998, things that are not possible to experience uh, with the way that I played it. We'll get into all of that in a little bit. Um, if you, listener, are listening to this show and you don't know what Metal Gear Solid is, um, I'm going to say it is one of the first really cinematic video games, one of the first video games I ever played that is very clearly inspired by movies and is trying to look like a movie in a lot of places. And one of the first super high profile stealth games, I think like really probably brought stealth games up to the mainstream. I know there were metal gear games before this, but, um, this was like a smash hit. So bringing both of those things to video games. How about you, Mick? How would you, um, how would you describe this to someone who's never heard it or played it? So it it's if James Bond was an 80s action hero like an Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> or a Jean-Claude Van Damme or Steven Seagal and then they just took everything about the story and cranked it up to 11. Like I think that's the best way to describe <laughs> this game because it's pure insanity. You get like I feel like for the most part maybe the first hour two hours of the game and story you're like okay I get it. Yeah. But then it escalates significantly <laughs> and it keeps escalating and it just keeps going and never comes back down no it never comes back down and it gets to a point where like any one of the plot twists that you experience in this game would be the plot twist yeah in like an action movie or something like that so it really it really gets wild we're going to talk about the story here in a little bit and then we're going to not try to make sense of it all because that'll uh, drive me crazy, but we'll None get of it into makes more sense. details. Yeah. In the spoiler section. So this episode is a regular spoiler policy. We're not going to spoil any of the plot revelations in the game. I'm not even really going to talk about the story much um, in the non-spoiler part. We're going to give you the setup, but a lot of the story stuff we'll save for the spoiler section. Um, there will be some things that like I'm going to talk about in the non-spoiler part that like could be considered gameplay spoilers, but this game is so old. It's so famous that I don't really feel bad about doing that. And some of those things that I'm going to talk about are some of those things I said earlier that like most people playing it for the first time in 2022 are not going to have that experience anyway. So yeah, that's the spoiler policy. Um, Mick, what first brought you to Metal Gear Solid and what's your history been with the series and with Kojima since it came out or since you started playing? So in 1998, my older brother worked for Funko Land and, you know, periodically he would buy different games for me for Christmas or birthday or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and for Christmas in 1998, he got me Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill. Those were Ooh. the two games that he gave me for Christmas that year. Um, loved them both, but something about Metal Gear, I was just I. I legitimately thought this was like the coolest thing I had ever played just mm-hmm. because Snake is such a cool character um, voice act because I'm old. So, you know, I'm used I played like NES when I was young and there's no voice acting like so this right, is one right. of the first games that outside of PC because, you know, I played, you know, the Wing Commander games and the TIE Fighter games and X-Wing mm-hmm. and like the Star Wars games on PC and there's voice acting in that. But this was one of the first games on console that I remember that had really good at the time. Yeah. Some <laughs> of it is not age great, uh, uh-huh. but at the time it was sensational voice acting and the fact of how much voice acting there is. I mean, it really Mm -hmm. feels like at some points you play like 20, 30 minutes and then you sit and you listen to story and exposition for 20 to 30 minutes and then you get back into the game and and so on and so forth. Um, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Uh, I, I got all sorts of unlockables. Uh, There's two different endings uh, to the game. Uh, So I got both endings like, and as I said, to tie it back to James Bond, if you beat the game with certain criteria and under a certain like amount of time and things like that, you know, don't use certain items, uh, you unlock the tuxedo that Snake will wear. So Snake is oh, running okay. around in a tuxedo, <laughs> literally being James Bond. So, nice. um, yeah, it played it then. And in a lot of ways, it's responsible for me getting into voice acting and becoming a voice actor because... Mm-hmm. When you've played it over and over and over again, like I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've played and beaten this game. Um, I just started doing the voices. So I would do Snake. I would do, you know, Liquid, Revolver Ocelot, you know, uh-huh. just start doing their voices and doing that for years. It was like inadvertently I was practicing becoming a voice actor by yeah. doing their voices. Hell yeah. And um, have you did you follow the rest of the series? Were you as in love with the rest of it? And then. Um, (laughs) as Kojima moved on to Death Stranding and stuff like that, have you followed? I have, I have indeed. Uh, I haven't played a ton of Death Stranding yet. It's, I'm terrible just because I keep playing like old games. Um, but yes, no, I followed him throughout, uh, to, to, this is going to sound bad. I cried at the end of Metal Gear Solid 4 because I was like, it's so amazing and perfect. (laughs) Like, and then objectively, like it's kind of not (laughs) like going back, (laughs) you know, 10 years later, I played it again and I was like. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, it's good, but it's not like mm-hmm. as good. Um, you know, one of the first big things I did on tw- I mean, tw- it's kind of how I gained more of an audience on Twitch was playing uh, Metal Gear Solid. You know, I played the first game, but then through Metal Gear Solid 2, like my audience really grew and I met a lot of really cool people, made a lot of really cool friends. Uh, so that, you know, kind of any sort of success and growth that I experienced came through playing Metal Gear Solid um, on Twitch. And I did the entire Metal Gear Solid Legacy. So I played through all the games on Twitch and it's, it's great. It's, it's, I mean, I have a Metal Gear Solid tattoo. I literally have a snake that goes up my left arm all the way to my chest. He has an eye patch and is holding a knife. So it is, (laughs) I, I'm in, I'm into it. And uh, Kojima, I love the guy. I think he's a madman, but I love him. Um, and I'm so excited that he's just making really weird stuff now with Mm -hmm. like Death Stranding. Uh, I even loved when he was kind of the head creative of Konami and he did 
two Castlevania games. Uh, he was going to do Silent Hill, and then mm-hmm. Konami got pissed because he spent uh, $20 million on music for Metal Gear Solid Five. So <laughs> they're like, well, you're not over this anymore. But uh, so, yeah, that's that's a very long answer to your question, but I love I love these games. I love Kojima. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Um, I'm glad I have you on to balance me out then because I'm pretty much the exact opposite. I just played Metal Gear Solid for the first time and my experience with Metal Gear and Kojima is just um, there is a Metal Gear Solid game on Game Boy Color and I had that Mm -hmm. when I was a kid and I played it. I thought it was pretty fun. Ghost Babble, right? Yeah, Ghost Babble, right. Um, Never beat it, but I had fun. I never beat it because I was a little kid. You know, you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the only other Metal Gear game I'd played is Metal Gear Rising, which I've played like three times. I fucking love that Game's game. Game's awesome. It's great. That is not a Kojima game, though. That yeah. one's not. It's, it's great. It's super fun. Yeah, super fun. It's got his name in the credits, but like that was, like I said, the only thing with the title Metal Gear that I'd played um, since that Game Boy Color game until I decided to play this, the original. Um, but I did play Death Stranding, I love that game. Like you said, it's weird as shit. The plot doesn't make any sense. Nope. It's really fucking stupid. I love gameplay it. is I, amazing. The gameplay is amazing. It's incredible. And you said Kojima's a madman. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think he's just a madman. Sometimes I think he's a mad genius because stuff like Death Stranding is, is so fun to play. And it's an idea where only only someone with as much like leash as he has because it's his company now, right? So only someone with that much leash would be like, we're going to make walking the game. The and walking it's gonna be simulator, fun. the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 magic. I, I do think he is a mad genius, but he absolutely needs to be reined in sometimes Yeah, because he will just go a little too far and a little too... I mean, I don't know if you played uh, PT, but that was his. You know, the, oh. the what would have been Silent Hill, right? that was his. And... In in a small player playable trailer is terrifying. Like it's yeah. so scary and it's so good. And I think he even does that with Metal Gear. Like he blends in horror elements very very well to the mm. game. Um, in particular, the cyborg ninja fight. So like yeah, leading into of, that, um, some some spots in Death Stranding were were creepy. Um, you could definitely tell he's got a little bit of that in him. Um, I didn't play PT because I'm a big baby and I hate horror <laughs> stuff. That's like super scary. It I won't is do it. Really scary. <laughs> yeah. So really that scary. is, that is my history with, um, metal gear with Kojima. This is me playing metal gear solid for the first time in 2022 when we're recording this. Um, my playthrough took me uh, about eight to 10 hours, something like that. It's hard to tell exactly because I use save states, um, on my emulated version, but, that's how long it took me, how long to beat kind of backs me up on that. Um, I imagine you can get through the game pretty quickly now because you've played it a million times, but... You know, you would think that. However, <laughs> when I went back and played the original, it had been several years, and I was like, what the hell are these controls? This is mm-hmm. this is hard! Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult to play the just straight-up uh, original version of it. Again, Twin Snakes, much, much easier uh, time playing it just because mm-hmm. of some some really needed gameplay adjustments. Yeah, and I think that's a good segue to get into some kind of opening thoughts um, about my experience with Metal Gear Solid and then yours too, of course. Um, 
I I think this game's really interesting. It's super aged in so many ways. Uh, controls being right at the top of the list. Um, it, but this is before the age of standardized controls. And like, I got the hang of the controls and I, you know, got the hang of the gameplay for the most part. There's a bunch of super frustrating things in this game that I didn't have a whole lot of fun with, but the entire time I was so just entertained by it, by all of its, how it's so over the top, um, how there's a plot twist literally every 15 minutes during certain sections of the game. There's a lot of like, if I was like, sometimes when I play games and I'm like really frustrated, I'll like angry text in my discord server or uh, to (laughs) friends. I don't know if I did that a bunch in this game, but if I did, it would have been like, like every two minutes I've been like, fuck this game. This game sucks. Holy shit. What was that? That was really cool. No, fuck this. This is, this is the worst game I've ever played. Whoa, hold on. That's super weird. That's cool. I'm kind of into that. It would have been like, uh, it was a real roller coaster of stuff like that. And I come out of it thinking that it is a super aged game. That's not always the most fun to play but it is a still a really fun experience in yeah. 2022, even if it's your first time. No, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, even in even the original, even in 1998, there were things that were incredibly frustrating or difficult because the it, it retains a lot of the elements from the first two Metal Gear games, which are on you know the NES and you know the MSX and things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, whereas those were just solely like top down, you're moving from screen to screen. This retains some of that because it it's sort of top down in some regards and then others like the perspective will shift a touch. So it's not quite top down. Mm-hmm. Um, the controls, not the best, not even at the time. <laughs> I mean, they're also not the worst. You know, it could have been tank controls from Resident Evil or mm-hmm. something like that where the controls are just literally wrecking your experience, particularly in you know, 20 plus years after the fact. But I I think the story is unique and weird and even like it's kind of a meme in a lot of ways. So you're just like, well, where's this going to go? And like, OK, yeah. well, who's that guy? And like, I think <laughs> I think for the most part, the boss fights are kind of what really engages you gameplay wise uh because they're all unique from one another like no mm-hmm. boss fight is ever the same and even the ones that are like well this is really annoying it's kind of like trying to solve a puzzle to figure out like okay well how do i beat this boss like what's the trick yeah um so yeah i, I think that's one of the things that really makes it stand out is the boss fights and just how, like I said, the story just keeps escalating. So you're kind of like, well, what's going to happen next? Like, okay, that clearly they're not going to get any crazier. And then they do like five minutes later and you're like, okay, where is this going to end? So yeah, I think that's, that's a lot of the really big strong points of the game. Yeah. Uh, we are going to get into the, all of those things after this music break, we're going to start with um, what the story is all about. Nice. So in Metal Gear Solid, you control Solid Snake, 
Um, one of the more iconic video game characters out there. He's been in Super Smash Brothers now. That's kind of the, the gold standard for every character that's owned by a company that doesn't hate Nintendo, I suppose. But uh, super iconic character. This is my first experience playing a game with Snake. Um, my first time hearing him speak. Uh, I've somehow missed out on watching any videos of Metal Gear Solid this whole time. I really had no idea what to expect here. Um, so he is a kind of super soldier, super spy, like you said, James Bond type, um, except remove all of the like wit and yeah. um, no wit kind of comedy that James Bond has. Solid Snake is just he is a soldier. Not much else going on with him. Uh, he's super horny. That's uh, something James Bond like. He is flirting with everyone who talks to him on the radio that yeah. could possibly be a woman. Um, Even if he thinks it sounds like a woman. He's like, yeah. is that a woman? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so very James Bond-like in that way. Snake's a uh, kind of a weird character. Be really hard to talk to. I can't imagine like a normal person having a normal conversation with Snake outside of a mission. I have no idea what that would sound like. So that is kind of one of the ongoing themes throughout the series of Metal Gear, particularly when it surrounds Snake, is that he doesn't know how to live a regular life. He's been a right. soldier pretty much his entire life. And more often over than that, like he has been the best soldier, you know, right. I mean, so much so that they're sending him to infiltrate, you know, this island fortress. You know, it's a it's a military base, basically, you know, is what he's infiltrating uh, that has been captured by a elite the elite of the elite special forces in foxhound snake used to be a member of foxhound um before he obviously retired and then just like went to alaska to hang out and <laughs> have have alaskan dogs or you know that's just the thing that he did yeah yeah so in um in metal gear solid snake is trying to um infiltrate this base and trying to prevent uh, this activation of a weapon of mass destruction called Metal Gear, uh, which is a mech. Again, uh, until I played Metal Gear Rising, I didn't know what a Metal Gear was, uh, even though this is like one of the most famous game series. It's a mech, a giant mech robot uh, that's capable of launching nuclear warheads. So that is your kind of story setup. You are going in to the military base to try to prevent this uh, weapon from being activated basically. And, um, the story is basically told through sometimes listening to dialogue, but like 99% of the time, like when I say listening to dialogue, I mean, listening to like guards or something, but 99% of the time you're having long radio conversations that pull you, they go to a separate screen and, I, I know a lot of people listening are like, Dave, we know what the codec conversations are like, but for people like me who didn't play this, uh, it goes to a separate screen. You have a picture of snake and a picture of the person snakes talking to, and they just talk to each other. And Nick, you, like you said earlier, these can go on for a long time, like 10, 15, 20 minute long mm -hmm. conversations. This game is not that long. It took me eight to 10 hours to play the bulk of it. Well, not the bulk of it, but a large section of it is just listening to these conversations. 
And the best part is like sometimes they don't even really have anything to do with the game itself. It'll be like, <laughs> here's a history lesson on the Cuban miss- Missile Crisis and uh-huh. what that was like. And the reason why that's important is because it comes back to Metal Gear. And then Snake will be like, Metal Gear. Like Snake yeah. <laughs> Snake practices active listening because he yes. repeats a lot of things back to people when they say it to him. So mm-hmm. they'll be, you know, you'll have the colonel, oh, Snake, it's good to hear you. Uh, Colonel, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, Snake, we're sending you to stop Metal Gear. Metal Gear. Like, yeah. <laughs> so Snake pa- practices uh, the technique of active listening by saying something back to what somebody just said to you to show that you're a good listener. So mm-hmm. good job on that, Snake. <laughs> but yeah, these cutscenes, holy cow, they can go long. Um, I've also heard that that um, kind of repeating things that people say uh, back to them is a not a quirk, but a feature of speaking Japanese. Um, it's a it's a way to let people know that you're listening in Japanese, from what I hear. Um, so that would make a lot of sense, yeah. considering you know it was created by a Japanese <laughs> guy. Right, exactly. Uh, so that kind of made me think of that. But you're right; it it is happening all the time. Snake, world's best listener. Um, yes, uh, you know, world's best soldier, but not just that. Best listener as well. Yeah. No. Yeah. He He's a great. He Great cares. guy in a couple of, yes, he cares about some <laughs> things. If you're talking about the mission, he listens. Yes. The uh, the codec, I guess we can just talk about that now. A lot of the conversations in the game happen on the codec screen, but you can call people on the codec at any time. Mm. Um, and this is something that I feel like would have been a lot better playing on the PlayStation with the physical game and the manual. I assume that the codec uh, things are listed in the manual of the game because the game does not tell you. It does not. Um, It doesn't. They tell you once. Usually. Yeah. When they introduce somebody, uh, in fact, I don't know if you ever talked to this character, but the Russian um, weapons expert, did you talk to her? Uh, doesn't ring a bell, but maybe, I don't know. It's more than likely no, because it's very easy to miss because the colonel kind of mentions her in, she never calls you, you call her. So if you never do, you'll never talk to her and there'll just be an open codex slot. And you're, when you're little, like when you press down, it'll show all the people you can instantly just click and call. What the fuck? I didn't oh. know you could press down and see the yes. list of all the people. After okay. you've called them once before, yeah, you can just scroll down. You don't have to like go through the codec dial every time. Yeah, but uh, I think her name's like, I w- it's not Natasha Romanoff, but it's like Natasha and it starts with an R. It's like Romanonsky or something. Uh, okay. And she's one of the ones that like the colonel mentions that her codec m- number is 141.69. Nice. Um, so yeah. like if you, you can call her, but if you don't call her, You'll just never talk to her and never get like, I mean, she doesn't have like a ton of interesting or useful information. It's kind of like, tell me about this gun. What weapon should I use in this fight? And she'll say, oh, use this to your advantage, that sort of thing. So, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you can press down and it'll have all the codec. I had no idea. I had to just, I just looked them up on, on game facts. I just found a page that listed all the codecs. Yep. Um, uh, that is how you get Merrill's number is literally it's on the back of the game. It's on box. the CD case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that was something that uh, when they, and they tell you that in the game, mm-hmm. yep. they say, you know, we stash the code on the CD case. And I was like, <laughs> what? I don't yep. have a, oh, is that? Because it okay. was 1998, and that's yeah, how we everyone, played games. It's the only way you could have played it is if you had the CD, or unless you, 
I don't know if you borrowed just a, a loose disc. If you from had someone. it from Blockbuster, you were in trouble. That's true. Yeah. So anyway, the codec is a big part of your kind of uh, puzzle solving in the game. Um, there's a lot of times when like the way to progress the story is to call somebody and you have a general idea of who you should call because you've been maybe communicating with them uh, recently. But uh, this this got me basically throughout the entire game, just remembering like, oh, I can call people too. That's the only way you can save in the game mm-hmm. or like make a manual save is to call, um, what's her name? Mei Ling. Mei Ling. Yeah, Mei Ling. is to call Mei Ling. She'll quote some weird literature or like tell you a poem or something or, like that yes, before, random, before she like, lets you save. <laughs> she, she's she's very like, you know, Chinese proverb giving. Yes. You know, yes. like, and sometimes it'll make like zero sense. You're like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Yeah. And I just imagine her on the other side of the codex. She's just reading a book of poetry, smoking a cigarette or something. And yep. she's like, when Snake calls, I got a good one. I got a good one yep. for Snake. <laughs> she's just writing down stuff like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, he's going to really like this one. I think yeah, he's going to laugh. a good one. Yeah. Just smile. It's uh, just like, this is going to be example number one of uh, things that we talk about that are very normal gameplay things in this game that people who haven't played are like, what? That's, that's something that happens in this game. So um, yeah, the codec, that's how you get most of your story. Um, the, I guess we can talk about it now. The voice acting is primarily in the codec, although there are cutscenes too. The voice acting is, um, like you said, pretty good for a PlayStation game. I've certainly played PS2 games that have way worse voice acting than this. This sounds um, about as modern as any voice acted game from this era, I think, could. Um, and I I always got a kick out of every time you died, people screaming, snake, 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 snake. <laughs> every time. So I was like, ah, fuck, I died. But that scream is yeah. really funny every time. Yeah, it, I I love it. It's 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 the little touches like that that even if you do die over and over again, it's like you know you hear the colonel and then you'll hear Mei Ling and you could hear Meryl sometimes or Otacon yeah. sometimes. Like it's <laughs> it's great. It's 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 so much fun. Yeah, um, I guess this is a good uh, good time we can talk about the uh, what I dubbed the Kojima isms um, in the game because <laughs> uh, they a lot of them tie in with the story and stuff that happens. Um, the first thing is uh, that meta stuff like we talked about uh, finding the radio frequency on the physical game case. There is a boss fight later in the game, really famous boss fight where you have to switch what port your controller is plugged into yep. uh, so that he can't read your mind. He that boss fight also will like talk to you about the games that your memory card has data for. Yeah. Uh, which is, I didn't get that experience cause I was playing emulated, but the very creative kind of hit and miss on like whether it's like going to blow your mind or not. But I, I came through all of these things feeling like this is creative. This is cool. This is someone thinking about like, okay, we want this to be a cinematic game kind of feel like watching a movie, but this is a game. So what can we do to engage people on like another level just beyond playing the game? Yeah, I, I think it's so cool. In particular, the uh, the Psycho Mantis fight, because when you're playing and, you know, you're a literal child like I was, and he's like, ah, oh, you like playing Castlevania. You're like, <laughs> He knows. <laughs> he knows me. Um, and, and just little things like that. Like he kind of will. He makes comments about how you've 
performed throughout the game like you're a poor warrior or you've not saved often <laughs> yeah. you know and things like that and those are like real small things where he'll point out like how often you save or how often you've died or like how much ammo you've used things like that and i think it's so cool they they sort of do pieces like this throughout the rest of the series it's it's not as on the nose as this one is um mm-hmm. It's really great uh, in Twin Snakes because obviously it was for the GameCube. So he'll be like, oh, you've played Legend of Zelda. So <laughs> like that's just, you know, Mario Sunshine. Like it's it's great. Um, so I, I love that stuff. I'd be really curious that if this game came out today, what would they do? Yeah. Um, like how would you do it? Because obviously like with digital games being kind of the way a lot of people buy games now, the CD case thing doesn't work. Changing the controller port, that would be, like, way more of a pain uh, on today's consoles than unplugging and plugging back in. disconnect your Bluetooth and reconnect it or some shit. Yeah, so I'd be curious (laughs) to see how they would do. Obviously, he could just read the hard drive. Like, that's that's not a problem. Um, Yeah. uh, So I would imagine... I imagine they'd have to come up with something really, really significant to to make it. Because, I mean, obviously, he's like, you know, lay your controller down. And then he'll make it vibrate. And it's like, oh! Yeah. You know, yeah. It's so, it's it's great. Yeah. It's, it, I, I, even if I missed most of these things just because of the fact that I'm playing emulated and a lot of these things are either like um, just not possible or the the ROM I'm playing basically went into the emulator code and switched what port it thought I was playing with. Um, That kind of stuff, like I missed out on most of these experiences, but I still thought they were cool. And it's, it's really easy to imagine myself in 1998, just having my mind blown by the fact that, yeah, like you said, Psycho Mantis is like, you like to play Crash Bandicoot. And I was like, fuck, I do like to play Crash Bandicoot. (laughs) He knows me. Yeah, (laughs) man, he and I are old pals. Yeah, I I think it's one of those things that, could you, you know, and the like Hideo instead of video again, like that doesn't really apply today for a lot of televisions. There isn't just the video that would pop up. But mm-hmm. in 98, like that was what a lot of TVs did when you were switching, you know, ports and things like that. So, yeah, I, I love that sort of stuff, um, like the the meta stuff, the self-aware kind of stuff. Uh, another thing that I love is sort of like a a ridiculousness of the game but Mm -hmm. they're aware that it is but they still kind of make it cool like his name is revolver ocelot like yeah by itself that just sounds stupid but he makes the he makes him try and look cool or at least like his approximation of what cool is you know liquid snake you know all that stuff yeah that was the um the other side of the kind of kojima isms that i said i i think that this game I really got the feeling that it was like, if you asked like me when I was 17, what do I think is cool? <laughs> That's what this game is. Yes. It's got super spies. It's got like ninjas. It's got super soldiers. It's got butts everywhere. Like yep. cameras focusing on butts and cleavage and stuff. Exactly what I would want when I'm 17. A lot of that stuff, like I'm a bit more like sensitive to it now because I, I do think Kojima has some pretty bad, like misogynistic tendencies. That's um, yeah. I don't argue that whatsoever. Yeah. So seeing that, like I've, I've seen things from metal gear solid five where I'm like, that's, that's pretty fucked up. Like that's, it's not funny anymore. It's just pretty fucked up. Yeah. 
Death Stranding, Fragile is not the most uh, inspiring female character, but not to get into a Death Stranding um, thing. So when I come back to Metal Gear Solid and it's like we have entire cutscenes where women are in their underwear for no reason, or like the camera will literally zoom in and follow a woman's butt as she's walking out of a room, I'm like, it's always been there, hasn't it? <laughs> but yeah. the other stuff, like the the spies, the cyborg ninjas, all that shit, I'm like, you know, like that is pretty cool. Like I'm yeah. not going to try and say that a, a cyborg ninja is not cool. I'm not an asshole. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he goes really. So a way that I kind of remind myself is that Kojima's stuff is very, very anime influenced. Because when you look mm-hmm. at a lot of anime, it's the same thing. It's like hypersexualized for women, ninjas, robots, like crazy fighting over the top stuff. And like, even though he tries to make it make sense like well you stare at her you you have to stare at the butts because you see that meryl walks differently because of the way her hips sway back and forth so that's why you're just trying to figure out which guard is meryl to know which and it's like you're staring at asses for like 10 minutes trying to figure like come on uh and i'd like to say that like oh well he gets better actually no he kind of goes in the opposite direction and makes it It gets worse yeah it gets worse particularly by the time you get to metal gear solid four and five it is like by the time you get to five it's like quiet is literally in a string bikini like Mm -hmm. the entire game you know and he's like, well, yeah, but she breathes through her skin. And it's like, aha. Uh, sure. So, yeah, sure, dude. Yeah. yeah. So it, it it's like you said, it is one of those things that like you just look at and you just kind of go like, Ugh, come on, dude, it's a little gross. Yeah. But again, there's the balance with enough of the other cool stuff that that I think kind of helps it. Yeah, it, it's just uh, yeah, just definitely something that I noticed here. Um, I got the distinct feeling that like when I was playing that it was like, this is what Beavis and Butthead would love <laughs> in a game. Like, this would be their favorite video game. Yes. Just add like add like some ACDC in the background of one of the cutscenes or something, and they would be like, this is the best fucking yeah. thing I've ever this seen. This is the greatest game we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I wasn't going to do the voice, but I know I can trust you too. <laughs> yes. Um, so just the last part of, on this topic is, uh, which we, we kind of touched on this before, but I am constantly grappling with the question, is Kojima in on the joke or does he legitimately think that all of this is actually cool? All oh, he 100% it. thinks this is cool. Okay. 100%. Like he is... He is a very interesting dude, particularly if you follow him on social media. Like he is uh he's a humongous movie buff. Like yeah. he loves movies, particularly he loves western culture and movies. Right. Uh you know, and I'm sure some of that speaks to like him growing up and like the era and all that kind of stuff. I'd love to read an autobiography on Kojima because I think it might explain some stuff. But no, 100%. Mm-hmm. He thinks that this is the coolest shit in the entire world. And it's not weird. And it's super cool because we got <laughs> fucking robots fighting ninjas with super spies and nano machines and boobs. And then there's blood. <laughs> and then there's like more robots. And then there's robots fighting. Ro- like, yeah, he thinks this is the coolest shit in the entire universe. Yeah. I The question came up when I was playing Death Stranding, which has one of the more ridiculous like made for TV sci-fi movie plots of a game that I've ever played. And I was just like, does he think that he's like 
making this like incredible allegory here or is mm-hmm. he is he in on this and it, it's really hard for me to tell sometimes um again not that robots and cyborg ninjas are not cool not that boobs are not <laughs> cool i support all of those things yeah but it's um it's it's just something where i'm like whoo i it, it's hard to tell if he's like in on it or not or if it's just you know, you made a really good point about how this um, is is very anime inspired. It's just it has a Western media skin over top mm-hmm. of it. And so as someone who I don't watch anime, kind of something that uh, went past me. But now that you say it that way, it's totally true. A lot of this stuff is um, yeah, stuff in like the little exposure I've had to anime makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, he he leans into a lot of anime tropes for sure. Like Snake is kind of the perfect hero, so to speak, even though he's like, I'm no hero. (laughs) Like, I'm not a hero. There are no heroes in war. Yeah, yeah. In war. It's just soldiers. It's battlefield. (laughs) And it's like, yes, but you're kind of like the ultimate warrior, the ultimate, you know, he's the ultimate good guy against the ultimate evil guy in Liquid and (laughs) You know, everybody is just like over the top caricatures like there, you know, Vulcan Raven is a very, very anime heavy villain because he's a villain, but he's also honorable, you know, uh-huh. and, and like almost all the villains as they die do an honorable, honorable act in their death so that like they don't die a villain. And it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's such a. It's so it's such anime bullshit as I like, but I love it. Like it's it's a loving it's a loving term sometimes when you call it anime bullshit or Kojima bullshit. Oh, yeah. All of no, that, that stuff. That's exactly what it is. Uh, but yeah, I, I love it. But it, it leans in heavily to the tropes, especially like you look at like some of the other stuff that he worked on earlier in his career, like police knots. Like he likes giant robots like he digs <laughs> them. Very clear. Yeah. <laughs> So talking about the gameplay in Metal Gear Solid, um, this is a third-person stealth game, um, and it's a stealth game. There, there are lots of different ways that stealth games have evolved, but this is kind of like an early version of stealth um, where enemies have vision cones, and if you're outside of the cone, uh, they basically they don't know you're there unless you do something loud, which is um, a nice little touch. You do have to be a little bit careful about mm. um there's a mechanic where you can bang on a wall to get someone's attention. So there is stuff like that in the game too, but it's mostly avoiding vision cones uh, with security cameras too. Um, The game has an overhead camera view, which um, kind of limits your visibility in a lot of places. There's a lot of times when like, if it had been a a third person view, like in Metal Gear Solid 5, I would have had a much better like idea of what was in this room with me but because it's a straight overhead view you have to get pretty close to stuff or like at least go to like the floor below you know uh, a balcony or something like that to see what's going on um you can 
back up against something and it will go to a third person view and then you can see what's directly in front of you for a while. But it is kind of hard to like get the lay of the land. Um, you have a radar that shows you where enemies and stuff are, but it's it's very minimal information. So stealth for me was a lot of like wander into a room, wander a little bit too far because I don't know what's in front of me, see a guy quickly back up and then like, okay, there's a guy there. Let's uh, let's get into that. Like, let's lean up against a shipping container and then like kind of see what's here and then work from there. This is where I'm going to ask you, so you didn't know that you could hit triangle to look in first person view? I only knew that with a gun that has a first person view. I didn't know that you could hit triangle for a mm-hmm. first person view. With a gun, you just can't fire. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so you did Okay, so you did know that. But it was only it was only certain guns that I tried it with. I don't know if it's certain guns that it's possible, but like so if you have like your regular pistol, you can go into a first person view or is it just mm-hmm. like the sniper rifle? No, you can go into a first person view and just see things. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know that. I think you could do it without the gun. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure you can do it without a gun as well. Interesting. That would have helped. <laughs> it, it it helps not nearly as much as like you would hope because again, like you can't shoot from first person. So you could see a guy and you're just like, oh, well, I guess I'll, you know, I can't like headshot him or anything to to take him out because if you shoot a guy in the game too, it's like five bullets to put a guy down. Yep. So... Because like Nick said, it's it's a lot of bullets to take a guard out. You might think, why don't you just do stealth takedowns on all the guards? Stealth <laughs> takedowns are super hard in this game. You have to be in the perfect position behind a guard in order to grab them and choke them. You yeah. cannot be moving when you do it. Otherwise, you'll do this weird grab and flip like martial arts move on yeah. them. So I did this for the first couple levels. And then I was like, you know what? It's just better to not be seen at all. I'm not going to play this like a Hitman game where I do stealth takedowns and stuff like that. Um, I just played this as a like literally don't get seen. If you do get seen, it's it's a firefight. I'll probably die and then have to try again. So I, I have a theory about how Kojima probably intended the game to be played, which mm-hmm. is kind of as you said, don't get seen. Stealth. Avoid avoid conflict, avoid guards as much as you can. If you do have a guard that you face, take him out with a choke, you know, utilize the cardboard box, you know, utilize things like stun grenades. I think that's his intention of how to play. But obviously, mm-hmm. the other aspects of the game make that an incredibly difficult thing to do just because it's like, well, you can't see an entire room. So if you choke one dude, another guy just sees you because you never saw him. So it's just kind of like, ah, eh, wow. Yeah. And um, if you do get seen, I don't know if this is true, but it really felt like the guards just infinitely spawn in. They kind of do. Yeah. Yeah. So it ended up being like, if I get seen, I will try to fight my way out of it, but I will 90% of the time I'm just going to die and I'll have to start again. Yeah, it's one of those things that you have to make the alert go back down. Otherwise, they will just keep coming and keep coming. So the idea is take out a couple of guards, hide somewhere, the alert will go down, and then they stop coming. Yeah, Um, and you do have um, most of the levels have places for you to hide, whether you just duck into an office or, like you said, use the cardboard box. 
I kind of, there's a joke in, um, Metal Gear Rising where, uh, someone's hiding in a cardboard box and you cut it open and they're like, that's a fucking stupid place to hide. Who would hide in a cardboard (laughs) box? I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, uh, stealth was mostly, like you said, just don't get seen. And I, it's possible that I'm coming to this in 2022. I've played all three Hitman games for like 50 or 60 hours. Um, I've played other stealth games like, uh, you know, Dishonored and stuff like that. I'm coming to this with a, you know, stealth action type of mindset, oh, yeah. which most games are. And this just feels like straight up. Don't let them see you. Yeah. Never let them see you. Um, but I will say it is a little bit more forgiving than a game like um, Siphon Filter or um, another cell that I can't. I, think. I was thought I thought that Splinter Cell was really hard. Splinter, back no, in that's the, day the one too. I meant. Yeah, Splinter yeah. Cell. Um, but like with Splinter Cell, if you get seen, mission over, restart. Because uh, mm-hmm. that whole thing is like avoid being seen completely. Yeah. Um, whereas Metal Gear is like if you get seen, you can fight your way out at a certain point. Like early game. Oh God, it's next to impossible. Yeah. Like, cause you have your pistol, but before you get the silencer for the pistol, it's just like, Hey, everybody, I'm over here. Send all <laughs> the guards to kill me. Right. Exactly. So this gameplay of trying not to ever be seen, uh, turns into for me watching the mini map and mm-hmm. almost not looking, I'm mean, not almost not looking at snake at all. Yep. And I'm just using the mini map and, uh, this is not my description. This comes from Watch Out for Fireballs, but they called it the world's worst game of Pac-Man, which sometimes <laughs> it, it does. Sometimes it does feel like that. I think it's a pretty apt description of this, where you see the guards walking on the mini map, you see their vision cones on the mini map, and you see Snake, and it's very easy to just play it with that mm-hmm. and not watch Snake at all on the screen, and it's just kind of an unfortunate thing. I don't think that's what Kojima was intending here, but I think that that's something that a lot of people are going to fall into uh, playing. Oh, for sure. And it's funny because, uh, the further you go along in the series, actually starting with the second game, that mini map is gone now is because, because the vision is you, you have better ability to look around and see things way way better and and as you go further and further into the series it gets way better you know by the time you get to metal gear solid 5 like they have refined the game like you play metal gear solid 5 and you're like if metal gear solid came out with this gameplay today this would be one of the most acclaimed critically acclaimed uh, you know popular games because it, Mm -hmm. it would just be incredible i would i've played i've played maybe an hour of metal gear solid 5 I think the gameplay um, is obviously a lot better than it is here. Oh, yeah. Um, But I've seen that that game's really fucking long, and it just kind of puts me off as someone who needs to beat three to four games a month for the podcast. Yeah, Um, that's fair. Yeah. It is longer. It's not crazy long. Um, It can be if you're doing, like, extra stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was just thinking, like, if they let's say they remade this game with the Metal Gear Solid Five gameplay, uh, but with the story of this game and all of its batshit twists and turns, I think that would be pretty fucking cool. It would be amazing. <laughs> I, I would I would probably never stop playing it, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, gun combat, like we mentioned before, um, your guns are pretty weak. Uh, even your like um, automatic weapons, the only gun that I ever felt like was really strong was the sniper rifle, which yeah. it should be. 
um, but you don't get that for quite a while. This is one of the things that the controls felt very outdated to me, just because playing with guns in video games has been become extremely standardized, and you press square to oh, yeah. shoot. Not only do you press square, you hold square while Snake raises his gun up, mm-hmm. and then you line up the laser sight on where you want to shoot. It's really difficult to get uh, the hang of, um, and then you can shoot. And then when you have an automatic weapon, you can just kind of hold down the button and he'll shoot in the direction you're facing. But at the beginning, it's real hard. You can't really do precision shots until you get the sniper rifle. And even then, it didn't seem like headshots did any more damage than regular shots. You're shaking your head no. Yeah, not not at all. Like it, okay. it's <laughs> the, gu- the guns are, again, this is why I kind of think his, Kojima's intention is kind of avoid combat or at least combat with guns because if you can get the choke on a guy you kill him pretty quickly you know Mm -hmm. um because the guns are just so weak i think the intention is the save the guns for the boss fights you know because that's when you're gonna use them the most and have like direct yeah because other than that it's yeah it's just one of those things so yeah there's like you're 100 correct there the guns are the headshots are kind of like not really a thing because you can't really aim most of the time for a headshot It's really hard. And there were a couple sections in the game I'm going to bring up in the spoiler section where you are forced to fight a bunch of people, uh, kill a bunch of people, and they're not very fun. Luckily, though, you have um, other tools. You have lots of different grenades that you can use. And I found all of the grenades to be really useful, but especially the ones that take out security cameras. Those are like essential items. They make the game a lot easier. And we... You talked about earlier the boss fights a little bit, but I do want to bring them up um, because the boss fights are not just a dude with a bunch more health than a regular dude, yeah. although that is true. They all have a very clear like gimmick and puzzle aspect um, to them. A lot of them I found to be really fun and really creative. Some of them I thought were not fun in the least. Um, and it's it's a real mixed bag, but this is a real old game that's yeah. trying a bunch of creative stuff. It really felt like, you know, there's always going to be some hits and misses. But even today, I thought that a lot of these boss fights were pretty fun. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I I, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it in, in a particular uh, soon, but I think the revolver, the first one, the revolver ocelot fight, I think yeah. that one's a lot of fun. Um the last boss fight, in my opinion, is, I think, the worst. Uh, yeah. It's visually the coolest. Yes. Like, it's the coolest setting and coolest <laughs> scenario. But from yes. just, like, a gameplay perspective, it is the most obnoxious because you are so limited and you're, yeah, the controls don't make it easy. And the and boss you're on himself. A timer. Yeah, you're on a timer. The boss himself is just almost like unfair ai like yeah. that level of like the, the, well this is no this is just unfair yeah like, yeah we have the whole range of yeah. like me being like this is this is not me being emotional this is bullshit this is a bad <laughs> poor game design and then all the way up to like this is fucking great i love this and everything in between with all of these bosses if if there's you know 10 bosses or something like that in the game, you get the range of zero yeah. out of 10 up to 10 out of 10. Oh, everything yeah. in between. I, I think that is one of the cool things about the, 
the game is that it, it does have that, you know, like some boss fights are great. Some are like, this sucks, you know, so it, it's cool. And I don't feel like you get that with every game. Some games, they just kind of like their bosses are kind of, un, you know, just like, ah, I don't really remember much about them. Um, yeah. But this one, you remember every single boss fight. Yes, exactly. They're all memorable for one reason or another. Good, bad, in between. Yep. You're you're going to remember all of these. Um, and I just appreciate, again, I appreciate how all of them have their own gimmick. All of them have their own puzzle to solve. Um, there's really, there's only one that feels like it's just you're fighting a regular dude. And there is a cool like gimmick to it. The first boss is just a dude yeah. with a gun, but he's bouncing bullets off the wall. You have to avoid the ricochets. You have to chase him around this central pillar. You have to not touch the the guy that's rigged to explode. There's a whole whole thing going on in that fight. Yeah, it's... I think it's prob. There's a couple of really good ones. We'll get into it though. I'll 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 save it. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, boss fights cool. I guess one other thing about the gameplay that is just very outdated, frustrating as I was playing that you have your gun that you equip and you can also equip a side item, mm-hmm. um, such as night vision goggles or the cardboard box or something like that. Um, you can only equip one thing. There's no hot keying and things that you might assume to be like automatically equipped and don't count as that one item like keys or your gas mask or something. They're not automatic. So if you're walking through a room full of gas, you have to wear your gas mask. And then if you come up to a (laughs) locked door, you have to take the gas mask off, use the key, then hurry up and put the gas mask back on. And there's a section with lots of gas and lots of locked doors. Yep. And I was like, this is fucking stupid. Did you not play test this? Like, why? Why? That, that That's just one of those, like, because that's how the original game worked. So it's yeah, sort of okay. like a callback and, and just, you know, it just a different time of game, you just know, evolving video game design for sure. Yeah. I think it's yeah. also just one of those, like, it's supposed to still provide a challenge. Like, you never feel like it's a walk in the park because you're like, I have to move quickly because I have to switch back and forth. Yeah, so uh, it sucks, but yeah, it's just one of those things, you know. To be clear, like, it sucks, but it's not like a, this, like, made the game unplayable. It's just annoying. Yeah, no, know? it's it's 100% annoying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, we talked a little bit about like the presentation, the voice acting of the game. First of all, as far as visuals go, I think this game looks pretty good for a a pretty early PlayStation game. Um, I'm not sure exactly when the PlayStation was released, but... 95, I believe. 94 or 95, one of the two. Okay, so this is kind of like a mid-generation PlayStation game. Yeah. Looks pretty good. I know that I've played other PlayStation games that came out at a similar time period, and this looks better in a lot of ways. It's a very uh, gray game. Yes. Because it, it either takes place inside military compounds or outdoors at night. There's not a whole lot of like colors and stuff going on in the game, but 
I, so like, it's not super visually appealing in that way, but it's also not, everything doesn't look the same, you know, Mm. like I, yeah, there were times when I didn't know where I was supposed to go, but it's because there was like a wall that I had to blow up with C4 and I just like didn't know or something like that. Yeah. There, there wasn't a whole lot of like, I don't know what I'm allowed to do in this room. Not, not a lot of those problems. Yeah, I, I do think like it's a relatively, you know, it's like you said, it's a gray game. It's kind of dark. It's in a military facility, but it's the facility itself is different enough that you're like, oh, this is where I'm at. Like, or I need to go back to this area that looks different enough from the area that I'm in. Like, it doesn't all like bleed or blend together. It it's kind of hard to get lost um, for the most part, like because you are kind of driving forward. You don't really mm-hmm. backtrack too much. Like there's a couple of times where you go back and you get a specific weapon from an area that you couldn't get to before. But for the most part, you're, you're constantly moving forward. It's, it's not really a lot of backtracking or like getting lost or confused or something. Mm-hmm. This game, <laughs> I know I said, like, I think this game looks pretty good for a PlayStation game. There's some really weird stuff with the visuals, though. The the faces for sure. are real weird in this game. <laughs> Just the flat, like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a nose and that's it. Yeah. Like, I remember playing, um, I remember playing Deus Ex for the first time, the original Deus Ex, and being like, what's going on with these faces? <laughs> then I played Metal Gear Solid, and I was like, oh, seriously, though, what's going on with these faces? The <laughs> eyes are super small. Mm-hmm. Snake looks like his eyes are closed all the time. Just super weird. Uh, There's a um, there's a section where Snake has his shirt off in the game and the arm polygons are not connected to the chest polygons. It's fine. It's probably fine. He'll be okay. He'll be all right. Soldier. Yeah, Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But despite all that, I I still think it's a pretty um, a pretty good looking game. And the um, the cutscenes and cinematics were a lot of fun uh, to watch. They're weird, uh, they're yeah. over the top, uh, but I did enjoy watching them. I think it it's one of the first games that I remember that had like really extended cutscenes, you know, mm-hmm. that told story and, and like pushed the game forward. I mean, like objectively, it, it's, it feels very much like a Bond movie because you'll have a villain stand there for 15 minutes and explain everything for you. Yes. You know, you're, stand, <laughs> you're, you're trying to rescue a guy who then stands there for 20 minutes and lectures you about the history of the Cuban Missile Crisis and, you know, mm-hmm. what decisions led to the founding of this organization for the United States and it's just like bro aren't shouldn't we get out of here like I'm yeah. trying to save you I don't know if you forgot but there's a terrorist organization trying to set off nuclear warheads like can yeah. we not can go we... through the history of the Cuban missile crisis <laughs> right we... now can you just tell me where to go yeah can we put a pin in this maybe yeah. <laughs> move before they nuke Washington please yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the the I think that the cinematic the attempt to tell a, a cinematic story within a video game here, I think that it works in this game about as well as it could have for a PlayStation game. And like I said, I, I, I don't rem- I didn't play this back in the day. I had a PlayStation at that time, but I just played Spyro. That's all I played. So I can't think of another game that is as that is presented in as cinematic a way as this at the time until like the PS2 basically I can't think of another 
PlayStation game like this. Yeah, not not really. I mean, there's a couple that get a little close. Um, obviously, like Resident Evil has some cinematic storytelling, but mm-hmm. not a ton. It's mo- it's more gameplay than storytelling. Same thing with like Final Fantasy VII or Final Fantasy VIII. You know, it's yeah more gameplay. Yes, there's there's cutscenes, but most of the you know story is through just text right. dialogue and whereas, those games don't have voice acting yeah so, where yeah. this is completely voice acted um there's no just like tech and it's not like one of those things of like well a little bit of it's voice acted and then it's like a lot of text dialogue. nope whole nope. game <laughs> all of and, it yeah yeah and <laughs> like a, a couple of other games are like that like silent hill it's all voice acted dialogue um resident evil's all voice acted dialogue um but even then there's like sections where you would get to where you would just like read a file and it's just like text metal gear doesn't have that it is literally anytime information is <laughs> given to you someone yes. is talking to you and telling you so that's true snake never looks at a computer screen and has to read an email it is nope. always someone calls him on the codec to tell him the entire story yeah they'll read the email <laughs> to him yes <laughs> so yeah i i love it i i think it's one of the strongest voice acting of uh, acted games ever like even till today like obviously things like the last of us god of war you know things like that have really taken uh, you know uncharted taken performance in games to another level but i think metal gear set the standard to say like no this is this is it this is how it can be and this is how it should be yeah and not only like are we going to have full voice acting but we're going to get voice actors and not just like people who work in accounting to come read some yes. voice lines. These are professional voice actors. They sound like professionals. They're really good. Yeah, you, you don't have the, you almost became a chill sandwich. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Like, you don't have that horror. It, it's time and effort was put into it. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, as a voice actor, it, it's it's basically what, made me get into it in in a lot of ways inadvertently in some ways but uh i i love it and the the voices that they do like for the most part like colonel campbell paul Iding, that's just literally how he talks like that's how he uh-huh. sounds in real life <laughs> which is kind of awesome because like if i ever talked to him i i've just been colonel <laughs> because he sounds like colonel campbell um mm-hmm. david hater does not sound like snake when he talks um I mentioned this before we got started, but uh, can you guess the voice that inspired the voice of Solid Snake? It is a famous actor. Um, no, but Kojima told David Hayter, I want you to sound like Clint Eastwood. He's like, <laughs> okay, so that so what you're hearing is David Hayter's Clint Eastwood approximation, which sounds okay nothing like clint eastwood <laughs> at all <laughs> especially because he goes a lot like snake does the <laughs> noise a ton um but yeah that that was the inspiration for the voice of solid snake was clint eastwood that's that's actually a lot better than i thought i thought you were gonna say like will smith or something and... <laughs> <laughs> yes he's will he, kojima really loved independence day and he's like i want you to sound like will smith and it's like well, he sounds you, nothing like will smith i bet you kojima did love independence day but oh absolutely yeah so just to kind of put a bow on this cinematic presentation i think really works in this game it's old there's a lot of sitting and looking and listening to the codex but the 
the way that the story goes and how many weird directions the story goes, like I did get tired of listening to the codec conversations sometimes, but most of the time I was like, wait, what the fuck is going mm-hmm. on? This is <laughs> d- 10 minutes ago. This was a completely different story. Now this is happening. Yep. And so put that all together with, um, and cinematics too, with how, um, the camera is framed in gameplay sometimes too. Um, depending on what's going on, something I gave a near automata credit for, I'm kind of sometimes just shifting the camera perspective while you're doing something gives a little bit of a a cinematic nature to it. So I think that this is a win. Sometimes those codec conversations do go on pretty long, but a good time. I I think the codec conversations are necessary in a way. Some of it like is information that you don't really need, but as you go further and further into the series, it's kind of like, Oh, that's what that is. Like, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like neat little Easter eggs that you don't realize you're seeing until later. So that is mm-hmm. kind of a cool thing. It It is a lot of um, a lot of proper nouns that you have yes. no context for in the game. So a lot of that stuff did just kind of roll over me. But the like I said, like the the story twists and the kind of backstabbing and stuff, all of that stuff keeps coming at a high enough pace that I am interested in listening to what they're saying. Oh, yeah. And I will say it's pretty clear that Kojima has absolutely no idea how the American government actually works. (laughs) It's very clear that he has (laughs) no idea how the American government and military operate because some of the stuff is you're like, well, 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 that doesn't make any sense. Why would you take that guy? Why would you Mm -hmm. do that? Yeah. Um, But again, you know, it's you have to it's it's entertainment it's not yes. meant to be real the metal gear solid story and also death stranding so like kojima story just kind of detach yourself from trying to pick the story apart because if you wanted to the story would fall like a house of cards pretty quickly yeah but just take a step back and just let it wash over you it's pretty entertaining yeah i i think that's the key to really all of kojima's stuff you can't take it too seriously because it's pretty clear he doesn't take it that seriously. Like he does, but he really doesn't. Like he understands that, yeah, this is ridiculous. And like I said, it's an anime. Like ultimately, you're you're playing mm-hmm. a, a an anime. So it's it's a little out there. And and that's yeah, as long as you keep that in mind, it's way better. If you like say, Well, I'm disappointed because this is not at all how this would work, it's like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a certain point in the game where I'm like Man, he doesn't know shit about genetics, does he? This is not not how genetics work. But if you're going to be like, and therefore the story is awful, I'd be like, well, hold on a second. Like, let's let's just take it easy. This this was never meant to be this this grand, you know, magnum opus of storytelling. This is an entertaining spy story with backstabbing and secret organizations and stuff like that. And it's a it's a story continuation of two games that most people probably didn't play before yeah. they played this one. You know, a lot of people probably didn't play Metal Gear and then Metal Gear Two. They just started with Solid, and they're like, "Well, wait, what the hell? Like, who is it? What is? <laughs> huh? Who is Big Boss? Like, what is going on?" And it's like mm-hmm. be, that's who you dealt with in the original games. He just didn't really tell you who they were as well, right? Um, so this game was remade on the GameCube and um, maybe just like for a few minutes, um, we can just chat about what changes did it make and 
Um, did it make it a better playing experience? Because you've played both versions. I've only played the original. Uh, it absolutely makes it a better gameplay experience. One, it came out of the GameCube, so automatically the graphics are better. Like, mm-hmm. the characters yeah. look better. You don't have, like, the weird amorphous blob faces. Like, there's more <laughs> detail. Uh, the color palette's better. Uh, the lighting's better. So you just have that, like, immediately. Like, the game is is clearer. It's easier to see things. Um they also adapted the controls from Metal Gear Solid 2. So you can actually shoot from first person mode and you can mm. look in first person mode and see around a room way better. Uh, you can move better just because, again, like you're an analog stick is your standard way of movement as opposed to just, you know, uh, a, a pad. So. Uh, that those are the the two biggest things is like it's a huge graphical overhaul and then the gameplay is just smoother like snake can actually do like a running roll so you can traverse like large areas way way quicker you could do it in the original but it's better in, in twin snakes uh mm-hmm. they completely re-recorded all the dialogue a couple with new Whoa. voice actors yeah what <laughs> yeah so um from a voice actor perspective uh cyborg ninja the guy who voices him is the same guy who voices the darpa chief in the original so if you listen okay. particularly when deep throat which is uh cyborg ninja when he calls you you can very clearly tell that it's the darpa chief and i'm like okay. wait wait a second <laughs> um <laughs> even though it's not supposed to be it's supposed to be cyborg ninja uh but they changed that in the in twin snakes they actually recast cyborg ninja uh and it's funny uh in the remake rob paulson voices him uh rob paulson is famous for uh pinky from pinky in the brain so oh. yeah so that's kind of fun that you have like oh Jay bright being like snake we must fight <laughs> till the end like yeah uh so that's that's a really cool like change that they did but they re-recorded all the dialogue uh they cleaned up some stuff too in terms of that like uh the cutscenes are a little better the translation's a little better so so, like a little bit of stuff gets like removed that was that just didn't make any sense whatsoever um so it's absolutely a superior version to play particularly in today uh you're still gonna have some of the same problems with like the hand-to-hand combat like the the gameplay didn't completely change it's Mm -hmm. just an improvement based off of controls gotcha so it's a little more accessible yeah so that is probably why you recommended yes. me play uh, <laughs> Twin Snakes for the first time. But I am glad I played the original and this is a good um, kind of transition into some wrap up thoughts and recommendations. I am glad I played the original PlayStation version as this was almost it was like half me wanting to play Metal Gear Solid because I never did, but also me wanting to play a critically acclaimed game from the past that I just never played. So I did. Um, I was glad I stuck with the original PlayStation version. Um, that being said, I'm glad I emulated it because I needed save states to get through this game. Uh, it's very difficult at times, especially the final boss uh, is yes. ridiculous. But like I said earlier, despite the frustrations of all of those things, I, I still I'm going to look back at this at a, as a really positive experience just because of how ridiculous the story is. And the gameplay parts, like some of those boss fights that I did have fun with, they're really memorable and still really cool. So I 
I always ask people, who would you recommend the game to? And so for me, I would recommend this game to people like me who didn't play it. I recommend you check it out because even though some of those meta things are just not going to work for most people these days, it's still worth checking out because it's doing lots of creative stuff that seems gimmicky now, but its I don't think it's that hard to put yourself in someone's shoes in 1998 and think about how cool it would have been. So I, I know that when I play games on the show, I'm always looking at them from a modern perspective. And so that being said, not putting myself in someone else's shoes, it's still an interesting experience in 2022 that I do recommend for most people to check out. And you know, if you're playing it and you're not having fun, stop playing it or use save states to get through it. Watch the ending on YouTube. That's always a possibility. But the the takeaway is that this is worth checking out still if you haven't played it, I think. How about you? I, I agree 100%. I, I think it's one of those things if you never played this one, even if you played another one, like you played Metal Gear Solid 5 or for, you know, you for whatever reason you picked it up down the line, mm-hmm. I still think it's something that everybody should experience uh, because it's not it's not a game that the angry video game nerd would play and like smash and, and you know, make a big to do about because I don't think it's ever bad enough in any one part or unfair enough in any one part that makes you go like, yep, done completely. Like there's no, because again, there's, I think there's enough interesting in the game to pull you forward and make you want to continue. Like, yeah, you get frustrated, but like you said, whether it's using cheats or safe states or whatever, experiencing the game is still, there's enough there to keep you wanting to, to go and and be interested in it. I think. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. So before we get into the spoiler section and really talk about some of these weird things that I want to talk about, um, a little bit of housekeeping. So first things first, Nick, where can people find you out on the internet? The easiest thing that anyone can do when you're wanting to find something related to me is to go to one of two places. You can either go to Twitter where you can find my Linktree link. And that will take you to everywhere you need to go. It'll take you to my voice reel. It'll take you to my Discord. It'll take you to my Twitch. It'll take you anywhere, my YouTube channel, anywhere that you want to find stuff from me, it will take you. Of course, you could also go to my link tree directly uh, if you didn't want to go to Twitter. uh, And you go there, linktree.com slash mickarcade, twitter.com slash mickarcade, and you can find anything that I'm doing. It's also got the best. You can contact me via Twitter. You can message me uh, if you have a project that you want me to do some voice acting for. If you do a podcast and you'd like me to be a guest, whatever it is, I love doing stuff, and I love doing stuff with people. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the easiest way to find anything and everything that I do. Awesome. Yeah. And all the uh, podcasters out there listening, get Mick on your show. As you can tell, (laughs) this has been a good time. So um, do that. Uh, Check out a Twitch stream. I know I've tuned in to watch you play Bloodborne a few times. Yes. Um, (laughs) Very, very entertaining. So yeah, um, support Mick. Check out what he's doing. Cool guy. Um, So for Tales from the Backlog, it's the regular support type stuff. Um, best things to do are to leave a rating and review. If you've enjoyed the show, that's really helpful for podcasts. Um, if your platform allows it, uh, tell a friend, if you want to support monetarily, there is a Patreon page at patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. You'll get lots of perks uh, for signing up. 
And we also have a Discord server, which is uh, open to everybody, not just patrons, uh, with lots of cool people, including Mick. Mick is in there too. Cool people, like I said. So um, that is uh, Tales from the Backlog stuff. I also have another show, if you're not familiar. It's called A Top 3 Podcast, where every week is a top three list, and they are mostly not about video games. So that's where I get all of my other opinions out. Uh, because God knows uh, I can't make you, you're in the content creation business too. I can't have an opinion if it's not recorded somewhere. It's true. So. You have to, <laughs> you have to document every thought you have and put it out there. Correct. So Nick and I are going to take a break when we come back. It's spoiler time for Metal Gear Solid. I'm back with Nick Arcade. We are talking spoilers for Metal Gear Solid, and we're going to start out the spoiler section. First of all, listeners, this spoiler section is not going to be a run-through and explanation of the story, because the story is batshit fucking crazy, and I'm not going to subject myself, or Mick, or you (laughs) to that. So, uh, we're going to start out by talking about our favorite boss fights in the game, because we talked about how they're so unique, so memorable, Um, I beat this game about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, something like that. I could still remember all of these boss fights, their mechanics, uh, even though I took some notes, they're so memorable. So I just want to kick it to you. What are some of your favorites? I love the fight with Ocelot. That one's super cool. Uh, Yes. Because I think it sets a really great tone for the game, it being the first boss fight, because... Uh, also, like the way it ends too, like when you beat him and you know Cyborg Ninja cuts his hand off, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> like that was is just epic. Um, so I really like that one. Uh, the Vulcan Raven fight is super cool. One just because like he is such a cool character visually. You know, he's this giant dude and he's got this huge chain gun that he's just carrying around. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's just super cool because you're kind of like sneaking through and um, trying to hit him with missiles and, and grenades and mines and like your gun whenever you can. Um, and then I know you didn't like this fight, but I actually like it. Uh, the Psycho, uh, not Psycho Man. Well, yeah, I like the Psycho Mantis fight, but the ninja fight is cool. But the not ninja fight. OK, it's because there's like cool things that you can do. If Did you try and shoot him at all um, during the fight? I think I tried to shoot him at the beginning and he kind of like, does, he like chides you for it. He's like, we, we don't fight with weapons, snake. Yeah. Is that how they taught you to fight? Yeah. 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 But he does that, which I like, cause I like when bosses kind of like talk shit to you. Uh, but he'll also pull out, like if you pulled out a machine gun and tried to shoot him, he'll just do, 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 like hit every bullet with his sword. And I just yeah. think that's super cool. Like you never get to hit him with a gun because he's just so fast that he cuts your bullets and forces you to fight hand to hand. So it's <laughs> it's not necessarily from a gameplay perspective. It's just because it's so weird because the whole time he's like, hurt me more, snake. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just so weird. And, you know, Ocelot pissed him, or not Ocelot, Otacon pissed himself. And it's like, yeah. oh, these guys are like one of my animes. Like, um, yeah, so I just I love that fight because it's it's so it's so wacky and weird. Yeah, it, same it, thing with the Mantis fight. 
Yeah. So the, the ninja fight was, I didn't have a lot of fun with it, but it's, it's not because of all that flavor that you said, all of that was really good. I just thought the hand to hand combat in this game sucks. sucks. Yeah. It's terrible. For the first 90% of this boss fight, it's a hand to hand boss fight. Mm -hmm. I did like that being said, I did master the fight by the, my, the time that I beat him, he never touched me because you can't let him touch you basically. Um, but I, I enjoyed kind of like the puzzle aspect of uh, you can use the um, what are the the grenades that they're like EMPs the chaff the grenades the chaff grenades you can use those to mess him up a little bit so I enjoyed like figuring out the puzzle of him I just I just don't like the hand to hand combat yeah the hand to hand combat in in the first game in particular is horrid like it's yeah. just so bad because you know it's just limited gameplay and limited controls so yeah, yeah it's it's rough. Yeah. And um, so I like the revolver ocelot fight a lot too, um, because it's really simple, but it's, it's just a, it's a funny idea. He's like, what if we had this, like, almost like this cowboy character in this military base in Alaska, and he's a fucking cowboy for some reason, and he can bounce bullets off of the wall because he's a, he's a firearms master at that level. He is a, uh, a duelist like that yep. so it's, it's great he, it's um, really good he he remains a pretty prominent figure throughout the entire series i'm into so, that yeah yeah <laughs> he uh he the you uh without getting into uh too many too much spoiler territory he is in every single game every single okay. one because they they also there's like time jumps like the second game obviously takes place a few years after this. The yeah. third game takes place in the 60s, uh, so it's actually a prequel to everything. Uh, and then the fourth game takes place, I think, like 10 or 12 years after the Solid. And then the fifth one takes place in the 80s. So okay. um, Ocelot is in every single one. Nice. And uh, like you said, at the end of the fight, um, I just imagine like, a writer's room where they're like, okay, so you've defeated Ocelot. Now what happens? What do we and do to Koji- him now? Kojima's like, a fucking invisible ninja comes in and <laughs> cuts, cuts his hand cuts off. His fucking hand and off. everyone's like, uh, are you sure? And he's like, yes, I, yes. I've never been more sure about anything, <laughs> anything in my, in my life. entire life. Uh, he's great. Um, no, like Ocelot's just such a, and again, like this is the cool thing and, and I'm excited for you to go through the series and, and play more, um, particularly the third game. Uh, there's a lot of really great Ocelot stuff in the third game. Um, nice. but cause you learn like why he does certain things, like why he's into torture. Um, mm-hmm. cause he fucking, uh, he tortured, uh, like this is another crazy thing. He tortured the DARPA chief to death accidentally. Cause when, you know, snake gets like locked up after the torture scene, uh, yeah. there's that corpse in there. That's actually the DARPA chief. That's why he was like, because, the the one boss we never fight is Decoy Octopus, who mm-hmm. pretends to be the DARPA chief um, and fucking nano machines. But uh, yeah, Decoy so like Octopus, <laughs> you you get the explanation of why Ocelot is kind of the way he is from the third game, uh, which is really really neat and and nice and cool. Third game is so good; it's it's probably my favorite out of all of them. Hell yeah, because it yeah. is literally a fucking bond movie like okay it's in the 60s yeah it's great um can't wait to get to it um and you mentioned the uh the vulcan raven fight 
specifically the second time you fight him the first time when he's in the tank not that yeah. fun no um, it's just kind to, of yeah just throw grenade, a couple of grenades so. that's it but the one in the maze um this was after a couple of boss fights that i really didn't have a whole lot of fun with sniper wolf and the helicopter the helicopter fight is uh god i hate it i hate it, the helicopter fight it's pretty rough um and just uh put a pin in that one because um yeah i got thoughts about that but the, then you fight vulcan raven it's in this uh industrial freezer he's like you said he's got this big chain gun following you around and it's uh it's a lot of fun figuring out how are you going to do damage to him without getting like face to face with him basically you're not going to be able to shoot him really because if you are close enough where like like we said the camera if you're close enough where you can actually see him and shoot a like point your laser sights yeah. at him. He's going to shoot you with the minigun. So it became this really fun, like puzzle of laying mines and throwing grenades around corners and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed it. I, uh, and, and that's, that's awesome because the way I've, I largely would, uh, beat him using the Nikita missile launcher. So the one where you like control the missile, right? Like that's yeah. how I beat him. Like occasionally I've used like the claymores and stuff, but I think that that's a, re- that's really cool. And it speaks to how cool that fight is that you can beat it in different ways like you can mm-hmm. have different approaches like technically you could like run and get like at the farthest way you can and just shoot your uh, machine gun like down down an aisle and hit him a couple of times i suppose you could yeah it would be really really hard but um yeah it's i think it's objectively probably the best fight boss fight in the game like the psycho mantis one's cool because of all the extra shit that he does but the fight itself is eh, it, it's nothing special yeah, not great. But yeah, that I, I did use the Nikita uh, rocket launcher in the Vulcan Raven fight. And then in his second phase, when he gets really mad and he's just charging around yeah. pretty quickly, I found it pretty hard to like stay far enough away where I could shoot the missile. And then if he sees the missile, he'll destroy it. So you have to like sneak up on him with a missile. And yeah. I just eventually I was like, you know what? I've been crawling around picking up all these claymores the entire game. It's I'm time to start use using them. them. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It, it's such an awesome fight. Um, uh, let's uh, we talked about Ocelot. I've talked about Ninja, Psycho Mantis. I feel yeah, like Psycho we talked Mantis, about enough. We, it, we we praised it a lot uh, for like the interesting stuff in the non spoiler part. Like you said, though the the fight portion of it, where he's like picking up stuff in the office yeah. and throwing it at you, not really that fun. No, because you just have to crawl on the floor, go hit him a couple of times, crawl on the floor, hit. It's it's not great outside of the gimmicks and then the um the other things he he um kind of takes control of meryl and you have to yeah yeah stop her from killing herself <laughs> you have to and... punch her in the face until she falls yep. down unconscious. or cho- you can choke her as well you can, you choke, can choke her, her too her. yeah okay. you can choke her unconscious <laughs> um sniper wolf so i didn't know this was a thing but apparently the way a lot of people beat her i've always done the sniper rifle which is super tedious because you have to take pentasmin so you're not like shaking all over the place yeah. and you can mm-hmm. line up a shot apparently a lot of people just shoot her with a missile launcher and then it's over i god damn it. yeah i should have no i'm the same like i <laughs> i did not know that until after i had already beaten it like 20 years later i beaten it on twitch and i'm playing another one and we're talking about that fight and somebody's like oh yeah i always shoot her with a missile launcher i'm like yo Wait, what i've been yeah. playing this game all this time and i never <laughs> thought to shoot her with a missile launcher so yeah well, it's because it's 
uh, I think the game wants you to use the sniper rifle because in order to fight Sniper Wolf, you have to backtrack and go get the sniper yep. rifle. So it, it seemed pretty clear to me. Not that fun. Uh, probably the first boss fight where I was like, as soon as I hit her, I'm using a save state. Yep. And then if I die, I'm going to reload the save state where she's been hit once. And then uh, the other time you fight Sniper Wolf when you're out in the woods was... Uh, I can see how it would be difficult, but if you just stand on one side of the screen and shoot the Nikita launcher, she yeah. just has no idea what's going on. It's the easiest fight in the game. Yeah, that's the one. Where, the second one is where... Oh, the I've, second I, one. Yeah, I never use the missile launcher oh, ever. okay. And I, I was talking sad. about the one after you get the sniper rifle. Oh, where the one on the, where she's hallway. on the catwalk? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Uh, and again... They incorporate sniper fights in every single Metal Gear game. Um, <laughs> the third game has the best and the coolest one for sure. Okay, where you fight the end, uh, the father of modern sniping, the, uh, the father of modern sniping. Is oh that yeah, like an official title. That's what they call him because he's like <laughs> he's like this dude who's like a hundred years old. And yeah, it, it's it's wild. He's like this old man, and he you fight him in the jungle, and you have to like sneak through the. It's it's awesome. Like it's such a cool fight. <laughs> Everything that sucks about the sniper wolf fight, his is awesome. <laughs> okay, all right. So we are left, uh, at least on the bosses that I remembered to write down, with the bosses that I think suck. And so the helicopter, we talked about that. I I got to a point in that fight where. The helicopter would never hit me because I figured out its moves, but yeah. it's, it is, it's vulnerable for like half a second and I could not hit it either. Yeah. And we just were in this stalemate where I was like, all right, I'm going to check the cheats. And in my ROM that I was playing, there was a cheat that was like press circle and the helicopter explodes. And I was like, okay, sweet. I'm doing that. Hitting that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, um. It's brutal. That's such an annoying fight because, yeah, it, it's just very little room for error, and it's so hard to be able to hit it. Um, it's terrible. Uh, the Metal Gear Rex fight is super hard. Um, it's like a combination of using the chaff grenades so that you can go and shoot it from a certain angle without it see being able to hit you with certain guns, and, like, it is... It is brutal, though. It is a brutally difficult fight. It's it's really hard. And so I tried it a few times. And then um, I was like, I don't know what to do. So I went and looked in a guide. The guide said to use chaff grenades. I tried yeah. it. They didn't do anything. So I was like, I don't know what to do here. This sucks. Uh, so I'm going to turn on the infinite health cheat and just get through this. Because I, I figured I was pretty close to the end of the game. And I just wanted to see the end. I don't, I don't want to fight this. I talked to some people and they were like, yeah, the Metal Gear Rex fight took me days to beat it. And I was like, yeah. I'm not spending days on this. It, There's it, no yeah. way. <laughs> it, it's just such a brutal fight, especially because like it sort of pops up on you. Like you don't, you, you know, a lot of games and maybe this is like more of a modern thing. Like you can kind of tell when you're about to go into a boss fight because mm -hmm. suddenly you have like all your health items and a bunch of ammo. It's it's like, That's, why are there a bunch of breakable crates here that are restocking all of my yeah, stuff? Oh, but, why is that cool door there? Yeah. yeah, but that doesn't happen before the Rex fight. So if you don't have like five rations, 
man, that really sucks for you because you're gonna you're gonna wish you had five rations this whole time. Mm-hmm. So uh, no, that it's a brutal, brutal fight. I think it took me like when I went back and tried to play it again, it took me like 20, 25 times to get through it because it was just ridiculous. Jesus, yeah. And then so. You can answer my question. I might have asked you this, but so you beat Metal Gear Rex and then you have a fight against uh, Liquid Snake. Yes. Can you save or does the game auto save between them? Uh, I think, yeah, it auto saves between them. Okay, good, good, yeah, good, good. You, you can save uh, right before, I think it prompts you. I think it gives you like the ability to save or maybe you call me. I can't remember, but you do get an opportunity to save right before actually i think i think maybe got taken away you get an opportunity to save before you fight metal gear rex but there's no prompt or anything before liquid snake yeah i feel like it starts you right back because i died during the liquid fight several times and went right back against him okay that's you know where he's like how about you snake (laughs) and that is just a real bummer of a boss fight to finish the game on it I tried is, this. I, yeah. I used infinite health against um, Metal Gear Rex, and then I turned it off because I wanted to fight Liquid Snake Fair. And it is we we talked about it in the non-spoiler yeah. part. It's a fist fight, boss fight. Uh, you're on a timer. It's a pretty strict timer. I mm-hmm. think it's not a very generous timer. Yep, and you and, will legitimately shit will blow up if it counts down to zero. Yes, and it's if not it a gets fake to timer. zero. It's yeah, it's a game over. And the the other thing is there are things that happen in the fight that just waste time. Like he will knock you off of the edge of the top of the metal gear. Yeah. You'll like grab on the ledge. You'll have to pull yourself up. It takes like 20 seconds to pull yourself mm-hmm. back up. It's just a giant pain in the ass. Extremely cinematic fight. Yeah. It's super cool, like visually, because you both are shirtless and you're like fighting (laughs) on top of a flaming robot. And like, it's it's the end of a Yakuza game. Everyone's shirtless. You're having a fist fight. It's everything's on fire. It's a whole thing. It's super cool. It's funny to this day. uh, Anytime I'm playing uh, a game on Twitch and I'm I'm at like a difficult boss or something, I always use it now because of Metal Gear Solid One. Metal Gear Solid One. Then it's an oxymoron. Uh, Because (laughs) I'll I'll refer to it as liquid level bullshit when something's like incredibly difficult. Because that fight. Like, you have no invincibility frames. He does. He has, like, way better hand-to-hand combat skills than you do. You just have, Mm -hmm. like, your little two- or three-hit combo, and he's, like, you know, fucking hitting you with a Hadouken, you know, into the Tatsumaki (laughs) Sampukin, and, like, you know, spinning pile drive. Like, he's just doing whatever the hell he wants to do to you, and you're just sitting there with your piddly-ass punches and your weak-ass leg kick that you do, and... Yeah, so liquid level bullshit is a is a go-to statement when a boss is too hard. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to steal that. So that goes in the Rolodex along with Kojima bullshit, which is a good thing sometimes. Yes, um, sometimes. But liquid level bullshit, uh, yeah. that's a good descriptor. Cause because this fight... It's it, brutal. The the helicopter fight sucks. I don't think it's bullshit. It's just, just kind it's of just annoying, annoying. really. It's, yeah. it's just kind of annoying. The Metal Gear Rex fight, I think it's really fucking hard, but I can see like the path to it. I think this fight, and it's just the fact that it's on a timer and that the timer is so strict. Like, I think it's a two minute timer 
had it been a three minute timer, yeah. I probably could have done it without trying it 10 times and getting super frustrated, but it's two minutes and it's like, <laughs> I feel like it would have taken me two minutes on the dot if I did really well. Yeah. To get and, through it. And another downside is like liquid hits you so hard when mm-hmm. he hits you you lose so much health and you hit him he does not lose as much health so yeah it is just it's such a brutal fight i mean it's appropriate it's the final fight of the game you know it's this culmination you know brother you and yeah. i are the sons <laughs> of big boss this you know is, and it's yeah not even talking about the story revelations we've gotten in the last hour that yes. led up to this the story so as we've gotten through the bosses now we can yeah. <laughs> talk about some of the madness that is the story of this game yeah the the story is basically um something happens snake is like this what just happened this is really fucked up and they were like oh yeah we knew about that and snake's <laughs> like you knew part. about this and he's like uh, yes we knew but uh, we don't have time to explain it right yeah, now we couldn't you tell go you this. snake yeah you're still with like it really like there, there's kind of an ongoing theme throughout the uh, the entire story of like Metal Gear Solid, like how soldiers are used and how like how they should be used as opposed to how they are used and like mm-hmm. all that sort of thing. Like it is kind of very like if you want to start like looking really deep into it, it's kind of like samurai mythology, Ronin type, myth, not mythology, but like samurai type stuff, Ronin stuff. Like, what does it mean to be a soldier, a warrior, like, mm-hmm. and how you're controlled, used as a tool, used as a weapon? And I mean, you see that a lot, um, particularly with like Psycho Mantis talks about being used as a weapon. Sniper Wolf talks about being used as a weapon. I don't think Vulcan or Raven did, uh, nor Ocelot, um, but like. So that's like a theme that's kind of throughout the entirety of the game. Um, But it's very convoluted also (laughs) because it's It's, like, yeah, it's a lot. Uh, Again, Kojima goes more into it the further you go into the series and like the the third game, the third game and then like big bosses kind of ideology is is very much like, you know, what is a soldier? You know, that sort (laughs) of thing so it's it's a lot uh snake and liquid are clones um yeah so that's a thing uh liquid thinks that he got all the bad or recessive genes and snake got all the superior genes um which is funny because liquid's standing there shirtless with a fucking eight pack he's got like cannonballs for shoulders he's jacked as fuck like that's what I was saying earlier. I was like, that is not how recessive genes work. Like liquid would have died before he was born if he had <laughs> yes. all the recessive genes. Uh, so. yeah. Ko- Kojima does not understand genetics or cloning, but it sounds cool, doesn't it? Where, yeah. oh, you got the good stuff and I got the bad. That's why I'm evil. Which the funny thing is liquid is the leader of Foxhound. Like that's the thing that they don't make super clear and like it becomes a little more clear later into the into the series but mm. foxhound essentially they went rogue like yeah. they did work for the government in the united states but then they decided to go rogue uh and um steal metal gear and all that kind of stuff uh because big boss used to be the leader of foxhound mhm so yeah it, and so 
if Liquid has like all these recessive genes, how the fuck is he like the most elite of elite of special yeah. forces soldiers? Yeah, like you're was... with a dude who's like eight feet tall and carries a chain gun, a sniper who can hit a moving target in a snow in a blizzard, and a fucking psychic. Like, yeah. How, like, yeah. <laughs> but you've got weak genes, bro. Sure. Yeah. All of the weak genes. And yeah. Yeah. Um, which actually turns out to not be the case. Uh, he was wrong. He has the superior. Snake has the recessive genes, uh, okay. which is revealed at the end. Which, again, is just like, okay, sure, what, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? So, this, it's all, I mean, this is, I, I said this earlier, this revelation of Snake and Liquid being genetic experiments, they're brothers, we have this recessive versus dominant gene thing. This would be the plot twist in... Yeah. Uh, another games. story but this is plot twist number 10 of 17 in this yes. game um and a lot of them in the span of the last like three or four hours uh, of the game you find out that the um the uh, naomi who's on your codec talking to you the whole time you find out that she's been trying to get you killed the entire time to yep, get revenge she snake uh because because she thinks that Snake killed her dad, but her dad's not dead. He comes and helps you during the final boss fight. No, it's her brother. Sac- it's her brother? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gray, yeah. Gray Fox, Cyborg. Gray Fox is Cyborg Ninja, who is yeah. Naomi's adopted brother, Frank. Right. And yes. there's a whole story about how he, I think he was responsible for the deaths of her real family and then took yes. her in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, there's it is a wild amount of information that gets <laughs> laid on twists you. and turns like liquid at one point pretends to be snakes longtime mentor and trainer uh mcdonald <laughs> miller um which uh he's actually a character in metal gear solid five uh as well mm-hmm. uh cause you know um but yeah he he's snakes mentor and trainer liquid pretends to be him and is like disguised at him he's got the sunglasses on which always makes me laugh because like Snake's not looking at a screen. He's just listening to everything. Yeah. He's not yeah. seeing anything. You don't have to wear so, sunglasses. Yeah, so he pulls off the sunglasses and shakes his hair out. And it's like, I get the dramatic reveal for us, but for Snake, he just hears a guy change his voice. He yeah. goes from talking like this to, I got you, Snake. It was me all along. It's like, uh, <laughs> liquid. Um, so, yeah, no, like, oh, so man. that's a huge twist. Uh, the twist that Cyborg Ninja is Gray Fox because – and that's something I think a lot of people don't realize is a twist because Gray Fox is a boss in Metal Gear 2, I think. Okay. Yeah, and you killed him. You kill him. Yeah. Like you and, had, so that and, that's like the thing. Yeah, and Naomi gets on the codec and she, she kind of breaks bad before Gray Fox reveals himself during that yeah. final boss fight. So it's like, oh, um, you know, you killed my brother. I've been plotting my revenge this whole time. And then, whoa, he's not dead. He's coming in. He's actually going to help you, even though he was a boss fight earlier in the game. And it's, this is like half, this is half of the, yeah. the stuff. We haven't even talked about the nanomachine virus yet. Yep. Um, <laughs> we haven't Which, talked about who else is Kojima stabbing bullshit. Snake in the back. <laughs> yeah. This, and- Let's not forget that the whole point of the game was to go stop a nuclear warhead uh, mm-hmm. delivery mech from being activated. 
that we we get so deep into all of these plot twists that you forget like oh yeah there's a terrorist group that has a fucking mech that can shoot yeah. nuclear weapons <laughs> from anywhere they could yeah. just it, it's mobile nukes that they could just do anything they want with oh but uh snake has to deal with um family issues uh and yeah. like deal with the fa- <laughs> and that's like another thing too is there's sort of everybody in in metal gear solid has really bad daddy issues uh-huh. uh because like you know snake never knew his father but his father was big boss who he is a clone of and then big boss was basically his father because he raised him and he taught him and he was his commanding officer and then snake killed him in metal gear solid uh you know so it's just and then liquid's like no daddy loves you more than me because you got the better genes and it's like well wait (laughs) but hold on like Wait a second. But then he's mad because Snake killed him. And then, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah. And then uh, we find out that um, not only are Snake and uh, Solid and Liquid clones of Big Boss, but all of the other soldiers that we've been killing this whole time, they're also clones. They're also part of this big genetic experiment. (laughs) So on that, they aren't clones in the sense that liquid and solid are their nanomachine profile is that of like training and teaching oh. and technique. Yeah. Okay. So like their, their nanomachines have made them genetically similar to them, but gotcha. they weren't gotcha. like grown in a lot. Yeah. It's again, super, fucking nanomachines that is how you explain anything unexplainable in the metal gear solid universe nanomachines son yeah Yeah, that's all you need (laughs) um it's (laughs) it's it's ridiculous the uh i think that that moment is one of the only moments that like they're trying to like tie back into this like main there's like one theme in this game and that that is there's no heroes in war and that everyone is expendable and that war is not glorious, and that continues throughout the series, from what I understand. Yes. Um, continues in Metal Gear Rising. That's a whole thing about that game, too. Um, but we have Snake talking to Meryl throughout the game. She wants to be a soldier, and Snake is like, there's no heroes. You don't want to be a soldier. <laughs> you don't want to be like me. And um, then they finally have this thing where it's like, oh, you've been fighting basically all of these, you know, air quotes, clones this whole time. Soldiers in war are disposable clones, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But then we get right back into like the, the nanomachine virus and um, the, the recessive genes and all of that. And I started to like, I'm just like not trying to understand it anymore. I'm just like, Oh yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Just hit me with whatever you got. If it sticks, cool. If it doesn't, that's it's it's not going to, you know. I I think that's the best way to approach a lot of the story for Metal Gear Solid, it, it, the the franchise in general is just not really trying to like super understand. I mean, I've been with this series since 1998. I've looked, I've read tons of stuff. I've played all the games multiple times. Read like all the stuff. It still doesn't make any sense. Not really. Like you mm-hmm. get you you get to a point where you think like. Okay, yeah, th- this makes sense. Like, I get this. No, because then they throw, like, another wrinkle or another curve in there that just makes absolutely no sense. Or they just, like, something else that they throw in there that just turns everything on its head. Like, for example, the post-credit, the post-whatever-you-want-to-call-it uh, scene where Ocelot is talking to someone. 
you can only hear him and he's kind of explaining a few loose ends like he says how you know liquid was wrong he's the one that had the dominant genes not uh-huh. the recessive uh he talks about like yes we got the battle data from metal gear blah 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 and he's like yes understood mr president and it's like <laughs> oh no the president was it which is kind of fucking <laughs> asinine when you really start breaking it down because it's like right. Okay, so hold on. Like, if the president was involved, like, why did like why why any of this makes no sense? So we we start with we start with um like the the commander the commander yeah. knows what's going on and he's withholding information from Snake and then it just keeps escalating and higher levels of authority mm-hmm. are also in on it and are also misleading Snake. Then it's like. The Pentagon is in on the whole thing. And then yep. at the end, the president is in on the whole thing. And it just, there's no, you can't go any higher. We've, yeah. The entire chain of command is in on this thing. So it's kind of like, well, then what was the point of, of everything? <laughs> like none of the, like, well, if you're president, wouldn't you have access to, yeah, it's again, you can't, you can't think too much about it. You just have to look at it at like face value and just be like, oh, the president's in on it. Whoa. Like, ah, yeah. I didn't see that coming. Like everybody's bad, but snake. Um, which is also kind of like the recurring theme. Everybody else is bad. Snake's not bad. Snake's the yeah. only person who's good. Snake, because Snake has no idea what's going on. He's just kind of following orders, being stabbed in the back, continuing yep. to follow orders, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And continuing to get stabbed in the back. Um, yeah. The torture scene, it's funny. Uh, I still, <laughs> yeah. I cannot beat that scene. Without my wife has to do it for me now. When I was a kid, it was my stepdad. Um, and then like as an adult, I still can't hit the button fast enough so Snake doesn't die. Nice. Um, I yeah. had to use my wife the, has to do it. Yeah, I had to use the old um, put a shirt over the button trick, and then just like so you cover up your controller with your shirt. Yeah, and then you kind of just rub your thumb over it, and the shirt you know lets you do it way faster than you can click the button. So huh. I was able to do it with the the shirt trick um but i the whole time i was doing this like i was just thinking like how many kids fucked up their controllers trying to do this um back on the playstation i don't know if you did (laughs) yeah i did i messed up one and then i got a turbo controller and that's when i could do it because i just hit turbo um but it's funny because that is actually what determines the two different endings of the game yeah so if you get through it meryl lives um and like you have the awkward like we're on the snow speeder together scene and he's like yeah my my name's david um so (laughs) how did you like that reveal that was uh that was a bit that was a a shock because in a game where people are named fucking psycho mantis and revolver (laughs) ocelot solid snake liquid snake big boss david yeah really okay fair enough my name's david But yeah, that that torture scene, um, that whole block where Snake gets captured and he's in jail, you have to do the torture scene. Um, I had to do it twice. I don't know if you have to do it twice, but like... Sometimes it's three times if you don't escape. If you like don't you escape have, fast yeah, enough. If yeah. you don't escape fast enough, it, it'll you'll go through it like two more times. It, it's brutal because you have to use the catch up to make it look like you're dead or whatever. Yeah. And so this whole scene, awesome. this whole sequence was a very... Uh, Kojima thing yes. where I'm like I raise my hands to the sky and I yell Kojima like that because <laughs> we have to do this torture scene yep. and then yeah you have this thing you have to while a guard has diarrhea he has to run out and go to the, the toilet you have to call Otacon 
he's like, I'm bringing you a bottle of ketchup. And you're like, yeah. bro, I need you to break me out of jail. Why are you bringing <laughs> like, me a bottle of ketchup? He's like, I'll go get you some food. And yeah. I'm like, could you not like just literally let me out of this cell, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Dude, let me out. I am a super spy. If I'm hungry, I can get into the kitchen. Yeah, it's not a big deal. He's like, I could probably bring you some more later. It's yeah. like, or you could go hide somewhere. Give me your invisible camouflage to use for yeah. five minutes and I can get out <laughs> of this situation. But obviously, if you submit, that's where you get the ending where Meryl dies, Otacon lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why like some of the dialogue is a little weird and makes it seem like Meryl died, even though she didn't. Yeah, because yeah. like they were saying earlier because earlier um uh sniper wolf shoots uh meryl several times in the groin for some reason um and then she gets taken away and they say like if you do this she'll live and then like four hours go by not a peep about meryl and i was like okay so she just died i messed that up somehow but no she was fine um and then i just one last little joke from that uh torture prison escape sequence when you finally go back and get your bad your bag there's an active yeah. bomb in it and you have to yep. open up your inventory and throw it away <laughs> throw the bomb which is really funny to me yeah i i actually love that bit it's it's so like classic 60s batman some days you just can't get rid of a bomb um so yeah it, it's it's so good uh you know what the best part is about the this obviously this is like such a big moment like did you give up during torture or did you you know straight you know be strong and get through it you know because obviously it's like well otacon lives in one thing and then meryl lives in the other thing um yeah both characters are still in the series after this and it's never brought (laughs) up and so none yeah didn't matter at all like nice yeah (laughs) which is kind of like are you serious really yeah it, you you say that the dialogue started to get weird, um, but I didn't notice because the dialogue had always been that's, weird and talking about stuff that is not is fair. only like half making sense, you know. Um, so uh, the only other thing, like gameplay wise, that I guess I want to talk about is um, and just really fast the idea that the locking safety mechanism on metal gear and on the nuclear warhead is a key card that is temperature dependent make one hot and one yeah. cold and you can really, unlike <laughs> really funny to me that someone thought of this and that we have this advanced military base where it's like the only way to unlock this is get the key card and like yeah. take it to the furnace for a couple minutes and then bring it back <laughs> that's the only and get way. back real quick because it'll cool back down like yeah <laughs> no, I, I love that, too, because it's such a video game thing, but it's presented in such a real world fashion that it just it kills me because it's like, well, well, none of this makes this. This is not how this would work at all. Yeah, it's, it's so it's like I, I didn't think that this was very fun because you have to backtrack pretty far to get to uh, Vulcan Ravens boss arena to cool down the card. Mm. I didn't think that was fun because I don't really like backtracking in this game, but the fact that what you're doing is cooling to, if they had said, you know, we hid three key cards in key places around the military base and you have to go find the three yeah. key cards, I would have been like, oh, fuck you. But yeah. because they're like, you have to take it and put it in the freezer and cool it yeah. down. The computer knows that it's cold. I was like, that's funny. I can't be too mad at this. Well, there's also a, a, a trick to getting back to where you don't have to backtrack too bad uh, because the different boxes 
you can get in the back of like trucks at certain yeah. spots and it'll take you to a specific spot. So that's I didn't like know the, that. <laughs> yeah, that that's an easier way. So you don't have to like run as much. But no, it, it's it is one of those things that cracks me up because it's like, what a fucking video game mechanic that okay, go stand in this hot area for like five minutes. Okay, now go to the cold area. And then yeah. it's gonna unlock this nuclear warhead that'll launch at any moment. Way to go, snake. Yeah. And that is a hilarious fast travel system, too. Yeah. Like, you have to hide in the right box in the back of a truck, and they'll be like, oh, yes, of course, this goes to the arsenal. Onto the arsenal we go. That's exactly (laughs) what they do. They're like, oh, got a box to go here. Oh, okay. And they go, and they just drive in the truck, take you to the spot, and you just hop out. Like, yeah. Very funny. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I liked it a lot. And then, so you get the key card, you bring it back. You think you're shutting down the uh, warhead, but you activate it. So, whoops. And then this is, so this is the moment you find out that the Pentagon had been using Snake to spread this nanomachine virus. As as one would, of course. Right. So we haven't brought this up much, but semi-early in the game, you find out that people are dying from this nanomachine virus called Fox Dye. And yep. it, it becomes this just Russian doll of conspiracy like you think maybe at the beginning, maybe you think like, oh, the terrorists introduced this virus. No, it, it's from the government and Snake is not there to stop it. Snake is there to spread it. Yep. He thinks he's there to shut down Metal Gear. He's actually there to spread the virus so that the Pentagon can cover up some atrocity that they made, right? Yeah, essentially that's that's the idea is like even if Snake fails – he won't fail because he'll infect everybody that has nanomachines because they're all soldiers. All soldiers have nanomachines. He'll infect them. They'll die, which in turn will stop Metal Gear because it shuts their plans down because they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> which is, again, the most like, sure. All right. But yeah, yeah, let's go with that. At this point, I'm in full just roll with the punches mode. Don't ask any questions. Just roll with it. Again, the nanomachine stuff gets more and more ridiculous <laughs> to to a point where you're just like, okay, yeah, sure, nanomachines. Yeah, and nanomachines are one of the big things in Metal Gear Rising 2, which is yep. um, a game I, re- I really love for its dumb as fuck story. Fantastic stuff. So I can't wait to hear more about nanomachines as I go through the series. The I, I this isn't like a huge spoiler for the second game, but one of the bosses that you fight in the second game is a guy called Vamp. <laughs> he acts like a vampire in that like he literally <laughs> will drink blood. He has he's he fights with knives. He can walk on water. He can't die. He gets shot in the head at one point. The bullet pushes out of his head and he gets back up and isn't dead. <laughs> and how is this that he accomplishes it? Nanomachines. Nanomachines, son. His nanomachines make him like a vampire. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Although there's a there's a funny reason why his name is Vamp and it's not because he's like a vampire. Okay, I will have to wait till I get to yeah. It's uh, Metal Gear it's Solid a very too. subtle explanation of why. Like, I don't know that they're overt <laughs> with it, um, but yeah, it's it's again kind of like a Kojima where you're like, really? <laughs> yeah, it's the, yeah. The, the Metal Gear Solid Two is a ride. <laughs> I can tell that the naming conventions of the characters throughout the entire series are just. I mean, Death Stranding too with Die Hardman and you know. 
fragile and all those characters anyway. Um, so the virus, and this is taking us to the end of the story. Um, it's this, you know, unraveling web of everybody's in on it except for snake basically. And so after you fight a liquid snake, you escape on a Jeep and there is a, like a rail shooter section as you're escaping on this Jeep. I think it's awful. Um, not very fun. No, it's, it's annoying. There's no way to avoid getting shot. You're just like, yeah, you you just kind of go and until it's, it's done. Like it's, it's terrible. (laughs) You know, liquids just like the whole time snake. Yeah. (laughs) So eventually you get to the end of that, you crash. Um, and, Liquid comes up to you. You thought you killed him uh, earlier. He's not dead, of course. He comes up and he's trying to uh, kill you, but uh, the Fox Die nanomachine virus kills Liquid. Maybe, I assume he's not actually dead because Metal Gear Solid, but... I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it's so, complex. I'll say that. Yeah. So this this just gets into the the ending, which I think is like... They tried to have like a sincere moment and it's just yeah. really fucking dumb. Like, so this is the ending where Meryl is alive in my game. Fox die had just killed liquid. So snake is solid. Snake is like, I have nano machines. I've been exposed. I'm the spreader of the virus. When am I going to die? And Meryl's like, Hey, how about you just don't worry about that. Just, just, just live. live your life. Yeah. Just live baby. <laughs> Ignore the killer virus that's coursing through your veins right now. It's fine. I'm it's, sure. It'll be fine. Let's let's go have a cocktail. How would you like to go sit on the beach? And, and he's just, like, that's, yeah. That's the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it it's awesome. Because it's so, <laughs> like the one with Otacon is about the same level where he's just like, is it? I don't know, Snake. Maybe you should just try living and see how that goes. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, never, never thought of it. Never crossed my mind. Yeah, so like, exactly. I, I will say this. There is a chance that Kojima never intended to do a sequel. There is a there is a chance that he mm. intended that this was going to be the end. Like, I know he put in the little, like, Mr. President. Like, so I do know that he had wanted to stop doing Metal Gear games since 2, since Metal Gear Solid 2. Like, he did did Metal Gear Solid, and then he did Metal Gear Solid 2, and he kind of wanted Metal Gear Solid 2 to be the end. And then they were like, no, this game was really successful. You need to do the third one. So he did the third one, which is a prequel because that was going to be his like, okay, I'm done. I'm walking away. I want to go make other games. I want to do other stuff. I don't want to keep making Metal Gear. So mm-hmm. that was his plan. Like three was going to be it. And then they were like, well, actually, we've got this thing called the PSP and we want you to make some Metal Gear games for the PSP. So he's like, okay, sure. But they're not really like mainline versions, but I'll still make some. So he did that. Yeah. Then they were like, hey, we would really, really like if you made Metal Gear Solid 4 for the PlayStation <laughs> 3. That would be really cool of you. And he was like, fine, this is it. I'm not going to make any more Metal Gear games. I'm done. I want to make other games. I want to make, like, he's been wanting to make Death Stranding for years. Like, and then, ultimately. yeah, 
And then and he's it, like, you know what? You want me to make Metal Gear Solid Five? I'm going to spend twenty million dollars on music. How's about, how yes. about that? <laughs> I'm just going to spend twenty million dollars licensing music to piss off Konami so that they fire <laughs> me. I'm pretty sure that's what he did. He's like, well, if I just keep spending money, they'll get rid of me. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, he he wanted like to kind of stop it too. Um, okay. Which is part of the reason why Snake is not actually the main character in Metal Gear Solid Two. Oh, it's it's Raiden, right? Yeah, Raiden is the main character in yeah. two. Snake is in two, but he's not the main character. It's Raiden. You gotcha. spend the majority of the game playing as Raiden. Gotcha. I mean, the ending of this game, it, it's one of those kind of Goldilocks zone endings where it's like, if this was the last one, it ends yeah. on a, I mean, it doesn't tie up all the loose ends by any means, but it no. ends on a note where I'm like, I'm satisfied with that. Um, and then, you know, that, you know, Mr. President line at the end, cool it's just like a little like nice little easter egg like oh man it's still another twist like yeah yeah and then it does obviously now we have an established universe of characters that are continuing you can obviously and they did keep doing more but it does make sense to me this could have been the end yeah it's um it wouldn't shock me if if he I feel like it in some ways it was just open for like if I want to do a sequel I can but I don't have to and he does that with the ending of every single game if he wanted to do a sequel he could but he didn't have to except three three actually didn't really leave anything open because it just explained backstory of stuff like it shows you where Ocelot came from it showed you like where they got the idea to do Metal Gear Rex like all that stuff started in in three because it's in the 60s Gotcha. Yeah. You know, how Big Boss became Big Boss. Like, it really wraps everything up, but then they were like, no, do four. All right, <laughs> fine. Okay, yeah, do another. And he's like, Ugh. So, you know, Let me just look kept up, going. What is the most expensive song to license? And I'm going to use that. He, well, so he just used so much music in that game. It was just like the greatest hits from the 80s. He was like, yeah, I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that. Like he's yeah. got like four David Bowie songs in there. Like it's it's a lot, like uh, a whole lot. Um, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of awesome, and then the way that I'm gonna finish this episode ah. is the after you see the end when Meryl is like, "Hey, just ignore the killer virus. Let's go. Uh, just just live your life." Yeah. Um, which which is like just it's awful and it's funny all at the same time. Um, then it goes into the credits and it's just. Alaskan nature FMVs playing during the credits and all of these insane conspiracies have just come to light in the last like two hours of playing. And now there's a walrus chilling on the screen as the credits roll. And I was like cracking up laughing during this. I don't know if he's trying to show you like you averted nuclear catastrophe. This is what you say. Look at but, all the beautiful nature. And but it's, look, it's so funny to me. I don't Alaska. know why. Explore Alaska. <laughs> it is, it's like an Alaska tourism video. It's right? great. And I'm like, is Kojima been to Alaska? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I love it. It's such a fun, random thing. He does that with like the end credits for his stuff, though, because Metal Gear Solid 2 has something very similar. Does it? Yeah, it, it's not as like weird, but it's like weird live action stuff of, of New York City. Like right. it's <laughs> random. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, this game um, this game had some other FMVs uh, throughout the game. There was one of like an atomic bomb exploding yep. for some reason. Um, re- really strange. But this one, these end credits take the cake where it's 
you just had this this big moment, many big moments in a row, and it's like, check out the polar bear, relaxing. Yeah, look at him. <laughs> I he's, loved he's it. He's just having a good time. He's chilling. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, this has been a great time, Mick. I really Thank appreciate you. you taking the time. And um, yeah, I, I've had a blast going through this game with you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'd be remiss. I, I do have one last thing to say about it. Uh, okay. Because I, I have to tell the story until I die because it just makes me that happy. So David Hader, who voices Solid Snake, mm-hmm. um, slid into my DMs on Twitter once. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, and so... Again, like David Hayter is one of the reasons why I essentially got into voice acting. Uh-huh. I, you know, I inadvertently slipped into like every character's voice in the game throughout the recording of the podcast. But um, so his Solid Snake is awesome. It's like Snake's one of my favorite characters. David Hayter, great work. He also wrote yeah. like a lot of really popular movies. Like he wrote the first two X-Men movies. He wrote the Scorpion King. Um, (laughs) So Solid Snake wrote the Scorpion King, which is such a weird, yeah, such a weird thing. But uh, when I first like really started to get heavy on Twitch, I got an idea. I was like, man, I would love to have like a, a video of Solid Snake talking to Colonel Campbell about like my Twitch channel. And I yeah. knew that like David Hader did cameos, you know, you could, but it, with that kind of stuff, it was like, I don't know how I explain what I want him to do in a cameo. So randomly I like tweeted out, I was like, yeah, I got a question for David Hader. And I tagged him in the tweet. I was like, but I'm not sure how to ask him. Like, what's the best way, Mr. Hader? Cause like I went to his, his website, which was like a, a GeoCities website from like 2004. So it was like. <laughs> Very out of date. Like, I think the last time it was updated was, like, when he did Metal Gear Solid 4, which was quite some time. And uh-huh. he messaged me, and he was like, hey, you can just ask me right here. What do you need? And I was just like, oh, hey. So I explained the idea to him, and he was like, well, unfortunately, I can't really do Snake for promos of any sort. You know, and I even oh, explained, yeah, like, yeah. like my back history of, like, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional voice actor. Like, you one of the reasons why I got into voice acting, blah, blah, blah. And he had such kind words for me. I I won't read the whole thing because it's just like him explaining like, oh, I can't do, I only can do it for like this and that and the other. But Uh he did say, he's like, please continue to kick ass at voiceover and all your other endeavors. Hell yeah. Uh, All the best. And I was like, fucking Solid Snake told me to keep kicking ass as a voice actor. That's awesome, uh, dude. Yeah, it is, uh, it is like, it, it, it's just one of those things that like he absolutely didn't have to do that no. he absolutely <laughs> didn't have to even reach out talk to me uh he could have just been like no sorry i can't do it that's it but he was just like keep kicking ass and you know like and i so yeah that that's my very boring not at all interesting david hater story but like in my mind i'm like that is like the coolest thing in the world yeah but, yeah that is um one of the rare examples of you can meet your heroes and yep. uh Sometimes they turn out to be really cool people. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, he's 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 a good dude. Uh, I'd love to meet him at a at a convention because uh, he doesn't do a ton of them, but I'd love to meet him at a convention and talk to him because I've gotten the opportunity to meet a few other like of uh, my favorite voice actors. Like I trained under Steve Bloom. Uh, that like when I did like voice acting school, Steve does. Most famously, he's Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. Like, he's the okay. voice of Sub-Zero. Like, he's the voice of uh, Zeb Aurelius from uh, Rebels. Like, I mean, God, Steve's done a billion things, you know. He, nice. He's, yeah, so uh, I, I trained under him, and, and, like, that was really a really cool experience. But over the years, I've met a bunch of really cool voice actors, and they're all, they're all really incredibly nice people. So 
Uh, nice. David Hayter's definitely on that list. And I'm going to be like, you were really nice to me on the internet. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> you see this DM? That was you. That yeah. was me, baby. I'm going to frame it, get him to sign yeah. it. <laughs> That's cool. That is really cool, though, that he that he actually reached out. And uh, like you said, wasn't like, nah, sorry, can't do that. Yeah. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get out of here, kid. You bother me. No, so it was, it was really cool. Yeah. So oh, that, yeah. that, yeah, that's just like a fun little tidbit that if I talk about Metal Gear Solid, I have to mention like, oh, by the way, uh, me and David Hayter are old pals. He sent me yeah. a message on Twitter one time, like three years ago. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of awesome, this podcast has been awesome, dude. This has yes, been a really good chat. So I've had a ton of fun. This game is ridiculous. It yes. lends itself to ridiculous conversation and ridiculous voices. And I'm so glad that you reached out to want to come on the show. And I'm glad that we picked this game to make it happen. Um, I'll definitely have you back on sometime. This awesome. has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, everyone listening, thank you for listening. Please go to the links down in the show notes. You can check out all the stuff that Mick is doing. Uh, you can check him out streaming Bloodborne, streaming other stuff, doing tabletop stuff, podcasts. My man is all over the internet. Um, and thank you again for listening. Tune in next week for the next game that comes out of the backlog.